good luck. We're all counting on you. Ah, the Pope, the blessings of the Pope. Hey, everybody, this is Shelly, your mouthy mama talking trash and truths. This is Coffee and Chaos with T3. That's me. And this is my mulligan for yesterday because my brain was all over the place. Um, I, I don't know. Yesterday, I, I woke up and I had a headache. I didn't feel good. And I had a lot on my mind and I just I had a lot to work through. And I tried to do it on the stream, but my thoughts wouldn't coalesce. So it was like I was unhappy. Um, so I just figured I'd do it over again. Good morning, rabbit, 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 already with the disclaimer. And let me tell you, rabbit, you are psychic because this one might be bumpy as far as um, what I say. It's I'm not giving anything out like on a professional level, trust me. But I'm going to tell my experiences when it comes to different things. Oh, I got to close Discord, damn it. Um, for some reason, if I have Discord open, my StreamYard goes all wonky. So, all right, so I closed Discord, so we should be good audio-wise by now. Um, so good, good day, Rabbit. Good day. I hope you're feeling well. Um, you're still you and your family. They're still in my prayers. So I'm hoping everything's going okay. Uh, Caitlin, good morning, Shelly. Let's go. I'm a lot more organized this morning. Granted, I only woke up about half an hour ago, but that was enough for me to open my eyes and go, oh, I know what I'm going to say. So, and that's how my streams usually happen. I wake up and everything is already put together while I was sleeping. <laughs> and it's just, you know, it's like, okay, bitch, get up. Let's go. So this one was, it's my mulligan, but it's more of what I wanted to talk about. As far as I need you guys to learn that you need to question everything. It is not a falling or a failing or a quirk to have a load of questions. Like always, my favorite question is why? Once you answer the why well, I kind of want the rest of the questions answered too. So it's like who, what, when, where, why, and how. And usually those are all followed by what the fuck? Like, what the fuck are you talking about? So I have learned to ask many, many questions. To take copious notes or record whatever I'm doing. And then research it. Talk to other people. Talk to people in similar situations. Which is kind of why you're here listening to me. Um, everybody's experiences are different. Doctors, professionals, they're all different levels. You know, some are more caring, some have better bedside manners, some are more clinical, some are just really well-versed in what they're, you know, like their field of study, what they're talking about. And it's good to get a multitude of different kinds of input from people. You know, people that are in your similar situation, people who have never experienced your situation. Because when it comes to things with family, you want to look at it from every angle before you make a decision. So what we talked about yesterday, I had wanted to focus on um, 
raising kids basically with ADHD or that are on the spectrum. And I realized that that was making me disjointed because when I look at like my son, he was diagnosed with ADHD and Asperger's and those two things just don't get along. And me trying to explain them as if they're grouped, as if they can be grouped together, kind of had the same effect as what they do to him. I was all over the place and I was unsettled and I was uncomfortable and I knew what I was talking about, but it didn't, it didn't flow. It wasn't coming out of my mouth the way it was, you know, formulating in my brain. Uh, Rabbit said, good news. The nerves in my great granddaughter's legs are waking up. Oh my God. She may be able to walk. They're still evaluating other damages. And they're making a plan, including chemotherapy and radiation. Oh, my God, Rabbit, that, see, that's why this stream was meant, because I'm going to tell you exactly what went on with my daughter. And hopefully, hopefully it'll help you. Hopefully it'll give some people out there who are listening who don't have much hope, thanks to these goddamn doctors. Um, it'll give them hope, I hope. See that? Hope, hope, hope. Uh, Caitlin said, oh, rabbit, yes. I really hope everything comes together and she's healed. Ah, Irish. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, yeah. Oh, my God, rabbit. That's, see, everything happens for a reason. Everything in its own time. Yesterday wasn't meant, but. I think this one is meant to maybe help you. So definitely stick around. Um, it's eight o'clock now. I figure if I go for another two hours, I should have at least like the broken baker stream up because I doubt there's going to be a verdict this early um, or even within the next couple hours. So I'll try to redirect. I set it up because I forget at the end. Okay. I forget. So I set the redirect up from now. If I go longer, then I'll check it again. But for now, you guys will redirect to the Broken Baker stream um, where he awaits, you know, the, the diagnosis, the verdict for that case that they're doing. Um, mainly what I want, what I want to do is like tell you guys about my kids. Now, I've done many, many, many streams about my kids. But. I want to take it all the way back to the beginning. Everybody that talks to me on here, like that listens to me, knows both my kids are special needs. And in varying degrees and, you know, very different ways. I mean, it's pretty much if you gave me like half the special needs, you know, symptoms out there, one of the kids has them. But like when I was, when I was pregnant with Katie, I... I did what I could to, you know, eat right. I went to the doctor all the time because of my um, damage to my reproductive organs. Thank you, shithead. Uh, I was extremely high risk. So I went to the doctor every two weeks from like the fourth month on because every time I had had a miscarriage or like I had an issue, it was before that. And... I mean, every time. I mean, that was a, let's just say that miscarriage wasn't, you know, my body saying no. It was somebody else saying no. And I had had a couple, like, false starts, you know, when I 
was doing things and doctors said, you know, you'll never get pregnant. You can't, your, your uterus is too damaged. You know, it's tilted the way, it, the way it lays now, the way it's positioned, there's no way anything could penetrate it to get you pregnant. Um, it was basically just, it was, it was, <laughs> I don't know how to say it. If you took a straw and you bent it in the middle and then taped like the two loose parts together so that you just had like this kink at the end where nothing could like, you know, get in there, then that that's what my uterus looked like. They did ultrasounds. They did the whole thing. They wanted to do surgery, but I was too young. They were like, you know, wait a couple years. Well, super sperm that, you know, Miguel is, I got pregnant anyway. So I started going to the doctor, like, not even a month into my pregnancy. And he was like, you can't. And he was like, oh, you are pregnant. I was like, I told you. Like, sometimes you just know. And I was very sick with her. Like, I I was very... um How, how do I say? It? I was very nervous the first couple months because I didn't want to lose another baby. It was terrifying to me. Time went on. I went to more and more doctors, more and more doctors, more. We're going to do this test. We're going to do that test. We got to do this. We got to do that. And then they found what they called um, precancerous cells on my cervix in my last month of pregnancy. It was after I went into preterm labor and the doctor was like, you have tumors inside your cervix. And I was like, what do you mean? And he was like, they're just under the surface. He was like, but they, they look to be like precancers or cancers. We need to biopsy them. I was like, well, you ain't doing shit until I have this baby. And he was like, well, we really should do it. No, I'm not, I'm not putting myself on the line and put my kid on the line to satisfy your curiosity. Is it going to kill me right now? No. Is it going to take hold right now? We don't know. Okay. Is the baby better off if I wait? Well, yes, of course. Then that's what we do. Her first, me second. And that's how it started out with Katie. It was her first, me second. And I did. I went after I had her, which was excruciating, five days of labor, with no progress. I was not a happy patient. Um, what happened with her was I had her, I went, I had to wait until like everything passed. Cause you know, if you're not in the know, after you have a baby, you, uh, you bleed for like six weeks. It's not fun. You bleed, you have stitches and then the stitches come out and your boobs are a hundred times bigger and everything hurts and you're not sleeping. And still all I cared about was, was her taking care of her. I wanted the best for her because I'd never felt the love like that in my life. I really never had the, the minute I saw her, I cried because she looked like Miguel. And I was like, I put all this work into this. I went through all this pain and she looks like him. Are you fucking kidding me? Like, I, but my exact reaction was, oh, she looks like a monkey. She looks like Miguel. Because she did. She looked just like Miguel. And I was so pissed off. <laughs> but she was 
this little dainty, you know, curly haired baby with these giant brown eyes. Katie wasn't born with blue eyes. Her eyes were brown out the gate and they were so dark brown. I thought she had black eyes. And the doctor was like, no, she's just really, she's very dark. Like her eyes are very dark. Her hair was jet black, you know, like this kid, she had the, you know, tan going on, that beautiful caramel colored skin that um, she came out with. And, you know, she pinked up a little bit over the years. But that girl, you put her in the sun and it's boom, instant tan. And I just, I was, I was blown away by this kid, but I really wanted her to look a little more like me. I put all, I put all the work in, like what the hell? Um, good morning, Amelia Sparkles. There's going to be a lot more answers to a lot more questions. Outpost Nerd, I hope you're feeling better today. Um, Outpost has the flu. You got to take care of yourself. Make sure you stay hydrated. So anyway, so I, I had Katie. And I had sent Miguel. <laughs> and don't kill me for this. I sent him to Puerto Rico when I went into, after I went into preterm labor because he was just, you know, babe, 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 babe. I was like, you got to go. I was like, you have relatives there, right? I, I swear to God, I'll, I'll buy your plane ticket. It's fine. Like, I didn't care. I just want him to be gone because he was just, he wanted me to pay attention to him. And it's like, I have, you know, like this baby coming soon. Like, I got to concentrate here. And he went and he was happy over there and whatever. I'm sure he did things that, you know, he didn't want to tell me about. And I didn't really care. But he came back when Katie was like six weeks old. And um, I, I honestly had never, I'd never felt anything like that. You know, I, I love people in my life, but I never had this overwhelming, protective, just, oh, my God, I would die for you. Like, feeling over this teeny tiny little, you know, foot and a half long screeching creature. And I mean, she was she was so she was tiny. She was what seven, nine, which I know now is like, oh, my God, that's a huge baby. No, like. That was standard baby. I was four pounds when I was born. So having a seven pound baby to me was like, hey, healthy. You know, she was seven pounds, nine ounces. Connor was eight pounds, nine ounces. And trust me, that one pound difference on that little body, he was so fat. Oh, my God. I was in love with all the fat rolls. I was just like, oh, I used to, both of them, I would just nibble them. I'd be like, oh, give me that foot or give me that hand or, you know, like, oh, I'm going to just nibble your neck. And they used to. The laugh, that high pitch, whenever you go, or if I like, you know, blow raspberries on their cheek or on their neck, they just, they'd go crazy laughing. I loved having babies. I did. Katie, oh God, she would keep me up all day long. I could not nap, couldn't get anything done because she just wanted to be held. And she wanted to play and she just had something to say to you because she just bap, 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 the whole freaking time. But she was very, um, she was very social. She was a very social baby. Slept through the week, just slept through the week. She slept through the night at two weeks old. You know, 
she breastfed in the beginning and then she was so greedy. She wanted more. And I just wasn't, I guess, giving her what she wanted because child has always been like this. And they made me switch to formula. And it was just like, I, oh God, I felt terrible. And I still feel guilt for that for both of them. Cause I'm like, maybe if I'd, you know, been able to breastfeed them longer, but I was 21. I didn't know shit. My family wasn't talking to me, even though I lived there. So I was on my own. And I didn't question anything. I did whatever the doctors told me was best to do. And I learned within two years that these doctors don't know shit. And you don't trust anybody with your life or your kids' lives without questioning every single thing that comes out of their mouth. And when you're done talking to them, you say, I need hard copies of what you're telling me because I need to read it. it. They have to give them to you and read them, go over them, because they gloss over things that you're like, wait, 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 what about this? Oh, that's nothing. How do you know? How do you know that's not nothing? Like Katie had what are called arachnoid cysts in her brain. They said, oh, they're benign. They don't do anything. Are you sure? Oh, yeah, no, it's a, I mean, it's in the center where that controls blah, 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 blah. But no, it's fine. You know, call me crazy. I, I, I need to know what those could possibly do. And the doctor was like, well, you're just looking for trouble. I was like, no, I need answers so that you people don't fuck up and take my kid away from me because you chose to say something wasn't important. And it was. Like, I just really, I started really getting into like, no, no, I need a better answer than that. I need a better answer than that. I need a better answer than that. Uh, Inya, good morning, good morning. Good day, good day. See, I'm saying good day. Where, where is Lady Autumn Sky? She should be up with her baby soon. So Katie was born absolutely fine. You know, she had a little bit of jaundice. All they did was they stuck her under a lamp for a couple of hours and she was fine. But they also made me, you know, they switched to the formula a couple of weeks in because they were like, no, she needs certain things that, you know, your body can't provide. That was a bunch of bullshit. That was them thinking I was too young to, I guess, take care of my kid. I don't know if they thought I was like starving her or whatever. But when I tell you, I was doing like a half a gallon out of each boob every freaking day. Like, that, it was a lot. It was a lot. <laughs> Just a lot. I mean, those double Ds were like overflowed into a higher letter. And I just, I, I couldn't deal. I couldn't sleep on my stomach for months. <laughs> it was just like, no. It was, anyway. Katie was... You know, she was your normal baby. She was interactive. She was social. She would go with anybody. She didn't care. She did not cry. She didn't whinge. She didn't complain. She loved animals. She ran around. She ran around and she jumped and, you know, she was, she was inquisitive. You know, she went to puppy. That was her favorite. Went to puppy. Puppy. Because that's what she called the dog. <laughs> the dog's name was Sparky. And Katie was the baby. Yeah. <laughs> when she started talking, she couldn't 
say sp. <laughs> and Jersey, we drop our R's. So Sparky became fucky. He just called the damn dog that all the time. And it would tickle my mother. It would tickle my uncle. My grandma and I would sit there going, oh, Jesus Christ. Like, like Sparky. And she'd go, fucky. Like, she's telling us, looking at us, like, that's what I'm saying, bro. Like, what the fuck? Like, why do you keep, you know, like, why do you keep correcting me? That's what I'm saying. Because to her, that's what she was saying. But yes, Sparky was fucking and she was attached. I mean, they were inseparable. This dog, if you even looked at her crooked, it took a fucking swipe at you. Because it was a rescue dog. It didn't bite any of us, but, you know, it didn't trust anybody that moved too quickly. And when I tell you, she like adored that dog. Sparky adored her just as much. You know, every morning when Katie would wake up, Katie never had a cry to wake up she never had a cry to get her attention because that damn dog you'd hear the clickety 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 click of the nails on the hardwood floors and i'd be like oh there she comes and she'd come in and i'd be like i'm up i'm up i'm up i'm up then the tail would start wagging she'd be like yes it's play day because that's all that meant to the dog the baby's up we get to play and of course, Katie was very good about it. Anything I gave her to eat, she shared with the dog. Um, and I did things right with her. You know, I I gave her really high quality food. I didn't give her baby food and shit like that from the store. I made her food. You know, like I had the little baby grinder for the, you know, to make the the vegetables and the fruit and to grind up meats and whatever. And she did really, really well. She was on the perfect trajectory through her milestones. And Miguel came home. And he had a daughter already. See, a lot of people don't know that um, Brenda, his ex, and me, we were pregnant at the same time. When he and I had gotten together... She popped up pregnant. And it was like, okay, like, what do I do now? Because I really didn't give a crap about him one way or another. But she was um, pregnant first. And then I got pregnant after she was like, well, you need to back out. And I was like, yeah, I can't because I'm pregnant. You're what? I was like, yeah, I'm pregnant. So our daughters are six months apart. Her daughter was born on Christmas. Her daughter, who I happen to love. I mean, this child, when she comes up here, she comes and she's like, oh, like, Titi, I'm coming to stay with you for a while. I'm like, okay. Because she always called me like Shelly or Titi or whatever. She never put it in her head that I was the enemy. That you're, oh, that's dad's other girlfriend or that's dad's whatever. No, I never got the blame for his stupidity, thank Christ. Because I could take care of myself and... You know, so could Brenda. She as she found out. But yeah, he he had this other baby, and he didn't like um, changing diapers. He was very averse to it. So he was like, "I want both my girls." He shows up. He's like, "I want both my girls to you know be out with me, whatever." I was like, "All right." We used to do it all the time, and then one day he was like. Let's take the girls to McDonald's. And I was like, why? 
And he was like, well, because, you know, it'll be fun. They have the whole playground inside there. And they did. They had like these huge tunnels all over, like up toward the ceiling. And they had, um, they had this ball pit. They'd had it for years. But I didn't have a kid small like that. So like, I, I never went and played there. I never let him, you know, never let him. I never let like any of my brothers or sisters in there. And I never took Katie there. I mean, we'd go, like, we'd walk around, whatever, but I never put her in the ball pit. I just always stayed out of the playground because it didn't look, you know, clean to me. And that day, he wanted to put them in the ball pit, and I was like, all right, but it's, it's just, I don't know, Miguel. And he was like, oh. He was like, it's always about, like, you know, like, I know you're white, Michelle, but let it go. I was like, what the fuck does that mean? And he was like, you know, not everything has to be spick and span like your fucking grandmother wants. And I was like, so rather than fight for my stance, mm -hmm. yep, Caitlin, she said, oh, no, the McDonald's ball pit, so gross. Yep, be very afraid of any ball pit that is not well attended to. We took the girls, and it was just like, okay, I eventually I got Katie out, and I was like, where the hell did her socks go? So her socks disappeared into the ball pit. And I'm looking, and I was like, Miguel, do you realize how much shit is in here? I was like, I want to go home. Well, let's take the girls to Sears. We want to get their pictures. Okay. They had their pictures done together that day, and they were so cute. And they were both, like, you know, they both still, like, walked and everything, but they still had, like, that baby pudge. So we, like, sat them next to each other for the picture, and it, it's a beautiful picture. I love it, and I hate it so much because that that was the last day that she was the way she was i took care of um took care of rosie which was her sister i took care of katie and we all went home i went back to my grandmother's house and we were watching friends i was sitting on the floor in the living room with Katie in my lap and I'm laughing and she started giggling because I was giggling. And then she, she got real tired and I kept looking at her cause this is my child that don't go to sleep till like 11 o'clock at night, but then sleeps through the whole damn night. And it's like eight, eight twenty, eight thirty ish. And she's like yawning. And I was like, all right, something's not right. Maybe she's coming down with something. So I was going to put her to bed. And she threw up all over me, just out of nowhere. All I heard was, and she just, bleh, just everywhere. But there was like this weird cough hiccup that came before it, which now, of course, I can hear four rooms away, even with earplugs in, because I will be under her chin with the bucket going, let it go. Let it go. I just, I've, my body is trained for that. And she threw up and I was like, all right, you're going to be all right. I cleaned her up. She threw up again. The fuck, Kate? All right. So clean her up again. I'm holding her. I have a diaper on her. I have her pajamas on. And all of a sudden she goes to the bathroom. Now my, her butt is literally in my hand as I'm like holding her because she's feeling clingy. And she gets... Diarrhea. 
So now we have copious vomiting and diarrhea, which immediately sends me to the phone calling Miguel saying, get your ass over here with the car and bring us to the hospital because something's not right. Oh, Michelle, I'm, I said, I swear to God, if you don't take us to the hospital within the next five minutes, you'll be in one. I, he showed up like, bitch, don't fuck with my kids. So he showed up. Oh, yo, what's matter? I was like, just here, hold the baby. I got all her stuff together. And we got in the car, drove to the hospital because I could not walk there with her doing that. And I want to get there as soon as possible, as quick as possible. Go in. They make us wait. Because technically, it's not an emergency to them. It's an emergency to me, as the nurse told me. She said, I understand this is important to you, but you're low on our list of priorities, so you're just going to have to wait. And I remember her face. If I ever cross this bitch on the street again, I'm going to beat her until I own her from the inside out. So we're waiting an hour, two hours. Lady, like, I'm sitting here with a fucking bucket. The kid has, like, I'm, I, this is, like, what, the 12th fucking diaper? I'm, like, yelling at her. You can wait. It's not that big a deal. All babies get sick. My daughter's 22 months old at this point. So she's not a baby baby, but she's not, like, a, you know, big girl toddler. She's at that cute in-between stage where she's still got, like, the pudge and whatever. Okay. I'm sitting there and I'm watching, I'm talking, I'm trying to like keep her up and engaged and talk to me and hey, what's up? And I'm making funny faces and he's sitting there just sleeping. And all of a sudden her head like kind of, she couldn't hold her head up anymore. And part of me was like, oh, she's tired. And something else in me was like, no, 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 this, no, nope. And we're like four or five hours in at this point and i went over to that fucking nurse and i was like she's she's not like she's not responding like i need to see a doctor fucking now and i'm screaming and she was like it's not my and i i heard katie do the <laughs> and i flipped her around so she was facing out held her over the goddamn desk that this bitch was at because it was one of those high desks and i just let her fucking let it rip this bitch was covered in puke. I was like, is it a fucking emergency now? And she was just like, and she pressed the button. I ran in and I'm like, she's getting like, she's not responding to me. She's like, her eyes are open, but she's not there. You don't, you guys don't get it. And they wouldn't listen. She's fine. She's fine. Everybody gets, we'll just give her a little bit of IV. But her head kept, kept lolling to the side. And I was like, no, you don't get it. Like, she's, this is not my baby. Something is wrong with my baby. And nobody would listen. And he didn't give a fuck. He was out in the goddamn lobby. He was just like, oh, I'm tired, whatever. You fucker. And then he wonders why I treat him like shit. I treat you like shit, Miguel, because you're shit. Stop calling me. I'll always love you. Okay. Yeah. Have you ever? I never wanted you to love me. I wanted you to love your kids. You have five of them. Yeah. Great. The only one that fucking mattered was the boy. Right? Yeah. Thank God he's nothing like you. Anyway. I'm sorry. Little venom I had to let out there. 
see, that's, <laughs> that's how I deal with trauma. When it hurts too much, I get mad. Because anger is clean. I can manage anger. Pain, not so much. Not internal pain. So I'm begging for doctors. And when I tell you these doctors were arrogant as fuck, and I was just like, I just, I want my doctor. Where's my doctor? I don't care that he's a fucking pervert. Like, find me my goddamn doctor. I want my doctor. And they finally, they, they got a hold of him because I was just losing my fucking mind. My daughter was no longer giggling. She was just laying there with the IV. Her eyes were open, but they were... They were just... I felt like she just went away. My doctor showed up, and I'm flipping out. And he's like, she has to be admitted immediately. This is not, you know, because he knows what she's like normally. And it turns out she got some weird bacterial infection, like a gastrointestinal infection that her body couldn't deal with. And they said it's usually something you pick up within about 28, the 24 to 48 hours. And the only place she had been that was dirty was that fucking ball pit. Rosie was okay, but Rosie was older. Six months older. And, you know, they were at the cleanest, you know, they didn't live in the newest or cleanest of houses. Like their apartment had lead paint. Cause eventually Rosie led, wound up with like lead paint poisoning. And, you know, it was slight, but it was still there. And, you know, she was exposed to a lot more, um, I guess, environmental contaminants than Katie was. Because my grandmother was a clean freak. Like, if you sat still long enough, she'd dust you. But Katie had no experience with, like, dirt, dirt, like, with bacteria. I mean, she used to play with dirt, but she wasn't playing in, like, other people's dirt. So her body couldn't fight it off. It had no, no immunity to it. But of course, it took me years to get these answers, which is why I say question everything. So my doctor shows up. She has to be admitted. Okay, they bring us up to the, the pediatric floor. She's got a single room, you know, this way I don't have to deal with any other parents or whatever. And she, every time they... They put the, you know, like the drip going again. She would, whatever liquid went into her, she would puke it out and shit it out at the same time. And they couldn't get it to stop. And she just wasn't even crying anymore. She just lay, she was just laying there. And I kept saying this, she's not not right there's something wrong like you don't understand my baby is loud she's active she loves to jump and she's you know she's a huge talker and she's just she's just laying there 
she's not even that still in her sleep and nobody would listen five days she was there five days when they said okay it's passed it was a you know stomach bug she'll be fine she'll need a couple days to recoup that's about it they gave me a whole list of things to do and I took her home I never left that hospital well not never I would leave for about 45 minutes every day so that I could run home get her more of her like creature comforts to try to like bring her around take a shower and run back to the hospital and I was in the hospital those five days completely by myself the only person who would come to stay with her while I ran home because I wouldn't leave her alone was my friend Lisa who lived um in my mother's building across the street from my house and she had a son Danny who was uh four months older than Katie and they were like you know they they were baby buddies like we literally like oh, you have a newborn I have a newborn let's just walk around town non-stop together and that's what we did we used to just walk around with the kids and you know they they socialized together and they they were really close and they were so cute and Lisa was a good friend and you know she she was upset for me she knew that I, I couldn't I couldn't wrap my head around it I was 22 years old what the fuck did I know and she would stay and I would run home get changed whatever come back and I had gotten sick because apparently from all the throwing up and shitting all over me I picked up whatever goddamn bug she had and I didn't give a fuck she's like I, I told Lisa I said do me a favor go to the store get me like two bottles of Pepto one of those big things of like the Imodium I said I'll, I'll just deal with it just get me like a Gatorade or something and she was like okay and she did all that and like I was sick as a dog I didn't care like, I did not care that I was sick. I didn't care about anything but my baby. And I had all these doctors give me all these different things. And I was like, none of you make any sense. None of you were telling me what is wrong with her. What happened? How do we fix it? No, nope. she's going to be fine. You're panicking. Panicking. Okay. Brought her home. Uh, my grandmother's like, what happened? I said, this is not my baby. And she was like, she's going to be okay. But I said, no. And nobody would listen. I said, my baby talked. This baby does not talk. She points at things and goes, eh. And it, if she doesn't do that, she cries. And she cries and she cries and there's no consoling her and she's clingy. Whereas before she was like, put me down. Like she wanted to go explore. This is a baby you could sit in the middle of the table now and leave for hours. Come back and she's still sitting in that goddamn spot. That was not the baby I had. That was the baby I came home with. The nonverbal, non-interactive, no longer potty trained kind of baby she was clingy and she was screechy and she just cried 
all the time and they said she's fine and i was like no she spoke before she grunts now nobody would listen okay within maybe like two months i had already told her father i said you know what i gave you plenty of time you gotta go it was like right after her birthday, like a week after her birthday, I said, she was in that damn hospital. All you cared about was being there for your friends. Oh, Ray's having a birthday party for his kids. I got to go help him. Motherfucker, your daughter is sitting there and I don't know what's going on. And you're worried about your friend's kid's birthday party. And then I was like, you know what? You're, you're done. You don't get, you don't get to be in my life. You don't get to be in this kid's life. You don't. Like, that was when I decided you don't get to just hang out and be the dad when you feel like being the dad. Because, you know, he he just, he didn't care. And I had too much to deal with. So I was like, you know what? Fuck you, get out. And I did. I, I got rid of him. And I was like, come visit her whenever you want. Doors always open. But you and me, we're done. And, you know, I knew it then like I know it now. If I'm not in the picture, he doesn't have any motivation to spend time with his kid. That turns my stomach that anybody would feel like that about their kid. It makes me think you're the biggest piece of shit. And I purposely let him know when I stream what the name is. I was like, I know you lurk, but I want you to hear it. I want you to hear me, Miguel. You're a piece of shit. You are a piece of shit. And I will never go back to you or let you in my life. Why don't you go have a relationship with your daughter who's still here and still maybe wants one? I don't know. But she asked me the other day, are you going to get back with my father? I was like, no, why would I? She said, okay, good. She was like, because I was going to tell you that's not a good thing, Ma. Like, I know other kids want their parents to, like, get together. No. You know, he's not good enough for you. And I I was blown away when she said that because I never thought that she would even think that. But it felt good. Anyway, so, you know, 22 months old, I have this completely new child. And it took me, like, a couple weeks to adjust. And, you know, like, pick myself back up and go, okay, like, still your baby. You still want everything with this child, but, girl, you got to, like, you got to toughen up a little bit. Because I was very, I was very soft about it. I was very scared. And I let people make decisions because I figured they would know better than I did. That was 26 years ago. Nobody knows better for your kids than you. Don't let anybody ever convince you different. Every instinct you have, every bit of you is screaming out what's right and what's wrong. You got to listen to it. You don't have to lean into it like, you know, I wound up doing, but listen to it and let it. Let it make you stronger. Let it make you more inquisitive. Let it make you more informed. Because you are the advocate for your kid. 
and you're a force to be reckoned with. I know you are. Everybody listen. Everybody listening. You're, you're a force to be reckoned with when it comes to your children. It, it's inherently, instinctually built into you. This is mine. You know, I made this and I'm going to protect it with everything I have. Because we're connected. You know how they feel. You know what they're going through without them telling you. You don't always think that it's them. You feel it yourself. And you're just like, oh, this is tearing me down. It's not tearing you down so much as it's tearing them down and you're feeling it with them. And sometimes you got to take a step back and go, yeah, I know you're all here, but you're my responsibility and I need to be a little clear headed. And that's what I did at the time. I was like, I need to be a little clear headed. I need to back up a little. And that was like the start of me putting up walls to like separate me from everybody else. Because if I got to fight for this kid, you know, I didn't know what it was to fight for another person because nobody gave me an example of that. Nobody fought for me. How the hell would I know? And it was like, you know what? Eventually I was like, bitch, do the opposite of what everybody did for you. That was my guiding point. That was my parent manual. What not to do as a parent. Okay, so this is all shit you don't do. I got to go the other way. So I, I did. I became very like, she never left my side. <laughs> she never left my side. And every single doctor that we went to, I was just question after question after question after question. But I still wasn't able to get answers because they didn't take me seriously. 22 months old, she went from talking to grunting, walking to crawling badly. Um, toilet trained to constant accidents to where I had to put her back in diapers because I couldn't train her. She just couldn't do it. She couldn't feel it. But I didn't know that. I didn't know she's having accidents because she doesn't have any muscle control or muscle feeling down there. Her nerves were just not working. Her receptors were not receiving. And nobody could tell me why. When I got to the first doctor, I had already left Miguel and I was with Billy. And Billy loved Katie. I mean, a more hands-on, like, let's take her here, take her there, whatever, person I could not have hoped for at that time. Not in my area. And the fact that he wasn't intimidated at all by Miguel, who had a good, oh, I don't know, seven inches of height on him and like a much stockier like you know fighter kind of build because Miguel he's a pussy but he didn't look it <laughs> I looked like the weak one and I was the one that would kick your ass so you know looks could be deceiving Billy wasn't afraid of him at all and he loved Katie you know the first date that we went on with Katie there she 
he took us to Dairy Queen and she wanted chocolate ice cream. And I was like, that's not a good idea, Billy. And he was like, what? I said, her and chocolate, like, no, 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 they don't mix well. And he was like, but she really wants it. Is she allergic? I was like, no, she's not allergic. It's just, it makes her, you know, upset in her stomach. I didn't want to say she's either going to puke or shit. So I was just like, ah. and he was like, but she really wants it, please. And I was like, fine a very very small cone she had that cone i kept her like in the car seat while she had that cone and she's just like going to town on it and i heard <laughs> and my cone went over my shoulder hit him <laughs> i pulled open like the rest of the door shoved my hands like a baseball mitt into the car caught the puke and threw it on the ground outside the car nothing went on the car and he was like that was so gross and really impressive he was like so you're a catcher i said actually no i'm the pitcher i was like but that was a good one and it was like it really was he was like let me go get you towels and stuff so he like he went and got clean towels from the dairy queen people to clean us up that was our first like you know quote-unquote family date and she'd already puked and he survived it. So it was like, huh. I was like, maybe he's not a pussy after all. You know, because I'd beat the shit out of him off and on for like years through high school because he was annoying. He was annoying. You know what it's like to be walking and somebody's walking backwards in front of you in your face going, hi, Michelle. Hi, Michelle. Hi. Hi. Pay attention to me. Hi, Michelle. I was like, oh, I was like, just go away. Just go away. Like, I don't like you. Go away. And he just wouldn't go. And he was like, we're going to get married one day. We're going to do this one day. He was full of these fucking plans since I was like, God, I was what, 15? And I was friends with his sister. It was just, it was hilarious. He had all these fucking like things in his head. And now he's like, oh no, that, I never thought that. You lying sack of shit. Like I was there. You told me, but whatever. So he was really good with Katie and I had this appointment with her, you know, for a doctor with her, which now you get appointments pretty quickly. Back then, not so much, especially when you don't have insurance. Because I didn't, you know, I was working all these different jobs to like, you know, make ends meet. And I worked them mainly when she was like resting. You know, I if she was home and grandma was with her, I was like, okay, she's watched. She's not really doing anything. But at night, I always used to take her out on walks and whatever. Because I wanted her to get, like, nice, clean, crisp night air. I think that helped her. You know, it would help settle her at night. Because she no longer slept through the night. Oh, no. No. She woke up every hour on the hour. And if she didn't feel somebody next to her, she would stay awake. And it was, it was, a, it was a problem. So, Billy and I, we took her to a doctor that I had had, um, I had an appointment for for, like, or five months. Uh, and we took her and the doctor looked at her. Now, this was a special um, orthopedic neurologist that they made me take her to. And it was very expensive, like I said, because I didn't have insurance for her because Medicaid was like, oh, you make too much money. I think I made like 100 bucks over the cap. So they like took away all the benefits before she even hit like um, six months old. So like my grandmother paid for the for the hospital stay. 
but I used to take her to doctors and whatever. And I would pay out of pocket because they wouldn't say that there was anything wrong with her. So I couldn't get her any kind of disability or whatever. So I was fighting social security. I was fighting the damn, you know, like welfare office because I couldn't get insurance for me or for her. And they were like, well, you know, you're, you're not a minority. I was like, bitch, I told the lady, I was like, I'm not a minority. Look around this fucking room. I'm the minority. She's like, well, you know, if you were Spanish, you would get it right away. Yeah. You know what I'm going to get right away? Your manager, go get me a fucking supervisor. And I wound up, it took me a year, but I got us, you know, the insurance because I couldn't get, I mean, like I said, I was 22, 23. I couldn't get a really good job that had insurance yet. And you had to wait anyway. I needed it then. So billionaire in this damn doctor's office and he looks at Katie and he like does this thing with his fingers where she's supposed to watch him and she's not interested. You know, she, she's like just over two years old. She don't give a shit what you're doing. She's just looking at you like you crazy person. Where's my toys? Where's my dog? Where am I doing? I love you. And anytime you went to lay her down, she would flip out. So it was just like, okay. He looked at her. He didn't take any blood. He didn't wear. He didn't do any special tests other than like the sobriety test. That's what it fucking looked like to me. And he was like, she has cerebral palsy. Now, again, keep in mind, I was super young. We didn't have the internet. You know, I was very sheltered growing up. I knew nothing. So I didn't, I didn't know, you know, what, could he tell? What, what am I supposed to ask him to do? Like, whatever. He said, she has cerebral palsy. Very bad. Okay. He said, it's progressive. He said, so, and he was very cold about it. He said, life expectancy is about six. And I, I, like tripped up there even billy was like wait what what and he said yeah he said life expectancy for her i would say six so i would resign myself to that she'll be gone by that time i was like are you telling me my daughter's gonna die yeah and it's hereditary so i would look into um some kind of gene therapy or whatever to see like who carries it because any children you have will be the same. And so you, you won't be able to raise a family. I won't be able to raise a family. Okay. That crushed me. That ruined our relationship because we had already talked about it. We wanted babies because I always wanted babies, 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 babies. I wanted tons of kids, at least a dozen. And right out the gate, I was a failure. Because make no mistake, I blame myself for her being in that condition. That's when the fight started between me and Billy. And he started, you know, putting distance between himself and her. And I didn't mind him starting to treat me like shit. But one day she spilled water and her, her little friend, Matthew, which was Billy's sister's kid, his nephew, he was giggling with Katie, so he splashed Katie with the water. Katie splashed him back. And then she 
took the the cup of water and she poured it over his head. And it was so funny. We were hysterical. And Billy starts screaming at the top of his lungs at her. And I'd never raised my voice to him since we got together. I was very like, okay, I'll do what you say because he was very controlling. He got rid of all my friends. He changed what I smoked. He changed what I drank. He changed how I dressed. He would play little mind games. You know, I love you. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. Da, da, da. You know, I know your birthday's in like two days, but I don't, I don't know if I love you. I don't think I do. I don't, I don't know if I ever did. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? It, yeah, like that kind of thing. Just he started doing all that. And then when we got that little diagnosis, which I basically threw out the fucking window the minute he said it. This one took his doctrine and he was like, well, you know, you can't have any more kids. You can't do this. You can't do that. And all our plans just fell apart because he didn't have any faith. I had faith. I was like, this is not what they're saying it is. I was like, it's just not. She's not going to die. And yet I, I distanced myself a little bit as well, but not just from her, from everybody. I just, I started to get tough. And I started to get louder, cruder. I started to push back. And once I started pushing, I couldn't stop. I would push you off a fucking cliff just not to have to deal with you. And it didn't bother me at all. It didn't bother me at all because I wasn't going to let anybody else near me that could hurt me. Right? Because now, look, even my kid is breaking my heart. So I gave up. I just gave up. I took her to all the doctors, but I was not, not going to have any more babies. Because I just didn't know. You know, am I, am I doing this to them? Is this my fault? Okay, so let's deal with that. Well, I didn't want to deal with that. And I had nobody to help me deal with that. And he was a strain. He was a drain on my entire being at that point. And whatever he wanted, I gave him and it still would make him happy. So every day was a, just a new level of failure for me. By the time she was three years old, well, she was about three and a half. He and I were done. We were done. And we just hadn't, you know, we hadn't um, blared the whistle to end the game. Like we just kept going, kept hurting each other, kept, he would get more and more and more controlling and meaner and just because he didn't want to let me go to somebody else, but he didn't want me anymore either. So what did he do? He went and got himself a nice little virgin girlfriend who was untouched, unbothered, innocent, looked like me, you know, my height, my weight, my hair, my face, my eyes, everything. She was a clone of me, but she was pure and she wasn't angry. I was angry and I stayed angry for 20 plus years. 
I'm still angry. Just not as angry. It's more directed now. But yeah, three years old and I had this kid who now she never walked. And if she did, she walked with this rolling kind of gait. Instead of her legs going forward, like back and forth, like on a pendulum, she'd have to swing them out to propel herself forward. And it was very awkward and it threw her balance off her a lot. And because according to him, my grandmother made her fat. He was like, your fucking grandmother. He was like, all she fucking does is feed this fucking kid. Because now I had this baby that was like tearing me apart. So I went and got a job on the other end of town with my mother that would take me out of the house all day long. Because that's what I needed. I needed to avoid. I didn't need it. I wanted it. I wanted to avoid everybody. I wanted to succeed somewhere. So I succeeded at work. You know, I moved up constantly. I was getting promotions because I'm highly intelligent and I'm very good at what I do no matter what it is. And that's, that's where I, I fucked up bad because I should have directed that energy to her, but it hurt. And it was, every day was a failure and I needed a win. So that became the job because I was losing Billy. I knew that my kid was just, fading away into nothing. So I knew that in the back of my head, I have this doctor telling me she'll be dead by the time she's six and you're never going to have another baby because every baby's going to die on you. So I went and got like the depot shot. I didn't get my period for over four years. I didn't want it. I did not want to have even the slightest chance of having another kid. Because it was too scary. And I didn't ask the right questions. I trusted what people said. I trusted what they told me. I trusted that that depot shot was safe. It wasn't. I only got two of them. And it stopped my period for four and a half years. <laughs> like, oh, okay. Weird, but all right. Um, mind you, the month after my period came back, was when my husband got me pregnant. So once again, fertile myrtle, you know, at work. He and I broke up because he cheated on me with this chick because uh, he was keeping me. I went from being his, you know, potential wife to his girlfriend to his piece of ass because he wanted to keep her pure so he'd fuck me, but date and love her. And neither one of us knew about it. So when I did, I, all right, we're done. Oh, you hate me? Yes, now I hate you. I didn't, I would have loved to have hated him. I just didn't give shit about him. I just want them to go away. And he did. Talked a lot of shit, but he went away. Taking Kate, I, I, you know, I'm dating, whatever, but just to get out of the house to avoid um, she slept with my grandmother every night. Take her to this doctor. You know, the last doctor I took her to with Billy was Dr. Lala. And he was an endocrinologist. 
a pediatric endocrinologist, like, oh, so like renowned for his work. And he'd been in journals and he got awards. And it took, I think, eight months for me to get that fucking appointment. He was on the top floor of a four story walk up. Billy carried her up all those steps and he didn't do one test. He took one look at her. He said, feed her less, exercise her more. And that was the end of the thing. He didn't do a blood test. He didn't even weigh her. And Billy's like, I told you, I told you, she's just fat because of your grandmother. Blah, blah, blah. She wasn't fat. She was bursting because her skin was shiny from being so taut because she was not meant to be that big. And I finally, I got my doctor and I said, explain to me what the fuck is going on. Because I see what the kid is eating and there's no way. There's no way that amount of calories does that. And he was like, no, he said, we're, we're going to test her metabolism. He was like, we'll, we'll see like what she does. We'll keep like an eye on it, whatever. Well, apparently whatever did that to her when it originally made her sick, it had lasting effects that we didn't see right away because her illness was progressive. Did they have a name for it other than cerebral palsy? No. Other than muscular dystrophy? No. Other than, um, well, what was the other one? Uh, multiple cirrhosis? No. And then there was another one. Oh, flat feet. One doctor said she had flat feet. I was like, okay. Um, By rabbit, I'm, I'm going to get to the part that I really need you to listen to in a little bit. It's hard for me to get there. I know. I'm sorry. Um, but it will get there. So hopefully I'll maybe I'll clip it and send it to you later. <laughs> um, I'm sorry. I was not paying attention to chat because I I'm concentrating on this because there's a lot. There's a lot. So I'll get to chat when I get this out. Um, Where was I? So I, I did. I took her to all these different doctors. I got all these diagnoses. And then finally, like, we figured out, okay, her metabolism doesn't work. What else doesn't work? What else has stopped? You know, from the age of two years old to 13 years old, she got progressively worse. And then puberty hit in full swing. And the progression stopped and her body changed. Her brain chemistry changed. Her, her whole personality started to change. And I was able to like take a breath. But in all those years in getting married and being with Brett and taking her to all these different hospitals, and we would go on road trips just to take her to hospitals because she didn't know we were taking her to hospitals for testing. Katie became so averse to any kind of medical surrounding that as soon as she saw a medical building with like, you know, that most of them have like that symbol outside with like the wings and the staff and the snake. If she saw that, she would flip the fuck out. And it was just, you know what it's like to have an eight-year-old screaming at the top of her fucking lungs like she's two? Because mentally, that's where she was. She didn't she didn't advance. She didn't mature. She didn't learn. Um, she was never able to 
potty train again. Um, she, her memory was shot. Her speaking was mumbled at best. And it took literally dozens of doctor's visits and MRIs and, you know, like just every kind of CAT scan and whatever. If she heard an MRI machine down the hallway, she would go into this blind panic and there was no bringing her back. I used to have to get her sedated in order to get her tested for things. And by the end of my marriage, when Katie was nine, we had found out that she had degenerative um, muscular disease from the diaphragm down. Now, a lot of your organs, your body considers like muscles. They grow like muscles. They grow with you. Everything grows together. Katie had no metabolism. It wasn't that she had a slow metabolism. Her brain just stopped that whole function. So I had to rapidly change her diet. Still didn't work. She kept, she would just get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And I would carry her. I would carry this full grown nine year old, 250 pound child. Like it was nothing. Because there's nothing I, I wouldn't have done. I used to pick her up, you know, by myself out of the bathtub and it killed my back. And I was angry a lot. I was so angry. Her bladder didn't grow beyond three years old. So she couldn't hold it. If you said, Kate, just hold it, man, there was no holding it. Her bladder learned to instantly void. As soon as it reached a certain level, it just, boom, empty out. So she had no idea. When she says, I have to pee, she didn't mean I have to pee in a minute. I have to pee now. She meant I had to pee a minute ago and just realized that and it's too up, too late. And that was it. So pampers were a thing until she had to wear, like, adult diapers. She still wears adult diapers. It's not as bad as it was. I mean, now she's like, gotta go, gotta go. And you hear her, like, she runs it. And she's like, I got to go. Connor says that. I'm like, I don't get out of the bathroom. Like, I need more than one goddamn bathroom. It helps that I got her a commode. That does help. It's not the best, but it's a, it's a thing. You know, it takes away some of that panic and shame that she feels. Even though it's just us. And But her brother, he's a brother, he's a nudge. So... Her bladder didn't grow beyond three years old. Her spine was not um, not straight anymore in the middle because of the gait, because of the way she walked. They called it like this limb girdle gait. And I couldn't get her diagnosed. You know, couldn't get her diagnosed. They could not decide on something and prove it. They threw all this shit at me like she'll be dead by the time she's six she'll be dead by the time she hits puberty she'll be dead by the time she's 16 she'll be dead by the time she's 19 she's never gonna have a kid never gonna do this she's never gonna walk she's never gonna you know be able to have a job she's never gonna be able to take care of herself all these never 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 fuck you like i got her to do so much more than they ever said she could do and i had to be a hard ass about it 
because everybody else gave in. Everybody else had sympathy. Oh, they had pity. I fucking hate pity. And I had none. None. Because I couldn't. Everybody else was going to, oh, Katie, it's okay, Katie. I couldn't do that. And in order for me to be the hardest, I couldn't, I couldn't feel bad about pushing her beyond her limits. I couldn't feel bad about her crying, you know, because it hurt or because she was scared. Like she had everybody else for that. Me? No, I had to push her. Otherwise it would have never gotten done. And I fucking hate that. And I always say, she's going to hate me one day. She's going to hate me the way I hate my mother. But she doesn't. Because she gets why I did it. You know, she gets that I'm always on her to be better, be better. Not because I think she's deficient in any way, but because once I'm gone, if I'm not there, I need to know that she's good. She's got this. You know, at least until she can get help from somebody else. I need to know she's not going to drown the minute she lets go of my hand. Mitochondrial. Wait, what? Mitochondrial. Oh, fuck. What the hell was it called? It was myotonic mitochondrial encephalomyopathy. And I think there was another word that I'm forgetting, but that was like the main diagnosis that they stuck with because they couldn't prove anything. There was not one fucking test. I took her to friggin' Mount Sinai Hospital for a friggin' muscle biopsy. Number one, they fucked up her leg when they did it because they took it from the wrong goddamn leg. That was number one. Then... They weren't getting back to me with the results and I couldn't figure out why. And I'm calling, 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 calling. I finally called and I was just like, I played stupid. I was like, oh my God, I just need to talk to somebody because it's been like so long and I'm just so worried. And they were like, oh yeah, no, it's, but we misplaced the sample. I'm sorry, what? I was at work when I made that phone call and my boss like stopped. She was right across me and she looked at me and I was just, shaking everything on my desk was shaking because the rage i felt was ridiculous and i blasted this bitch they lost the muscle sample and when they found it it had been contaminated because it was exposed to the elements around it and it was useless but they didn't want to tell me that because you know, I could sue them, I guess. I didn't, I didn't sue anybody because I, I was out there by myself. What the fuck did I know? Like now I would have sued everybody. But then I, and it was too late. I figured, I was like, fuck it, just move on. I, Cause I couldn't keep holding on to the shit they did wrong. I needed to find somebody who was going to do something right. I needed answers. And I got pushier and pushier and pushier. I got divorced. You know, she was in a wheelchair with two legs that didn't work because they gave her Botox injections for the pain after they elongated her hamstrings to try to like give her a little bit more range when she walked or like crawled or whatever. 
And because of Katie's, you know, condition, medicine does not, doesn't interpret the same way for her that it does for me or you or whoever. It all comes down to at some point when she was dehydrated and she was completely dehydrated in that hospital. Her spinal column, the inside of her spinal column, where all the messages go from your brain to your lower extremities. Instead of it being this smooth, you know, fluid kind of pathway, she developed a bump. Minuscule, microscopic, like to us, wouldn't make a difference. It made all the difference. And it can't be removed and it can't be undone. And her body adapted when she hit puberty and she had a growth spurt and everything. I guess there was just more strength to it. Like it didn't depend on that part of her developmental ability. But she would, and I had to explain this to her goddamn doctor. I said, she's not hearing what her brain is saying and he was like i don't get it and i was like i'm telling you if you tell her to do something her body does something completely different and he was like no 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 i was like all right fine kate look at me so she was like i turned her around she's standing in front of me i said look at my face because at this point i could stand her up with like the walk or whatever and i mean she was older we were already home and i said move forward and she moved her head and shoulders forward like she was going to take a step forward. And her feet went back. She took a step back. And he was like, do, her, do that again? Ask her to do something else. So if I asked her to do something from like that used any kind of muscle or message for anything from the diaphragm up, she was okay. She had weakness. But she was okay. The direction was the direction she wanted it to go. But if it was from the diaphragm down, it flipped. If I said move forward, she moved backward. If I said jump, she would literally like feel like she wanted to like collapse into a chair. You know, like if she wanted to do things, it was always the opposite. If she took a medicine, her body didn't interpret the medicine the way other people would. If I gave her a laxative, because she had a lot of issues in that area, she didn't get the softened stool. She got more constipated. If I gave her something to like bind her up because now she's got diarrhea, nope, it was more diarrhea. You know, Tylenol didn't work for headaches for this kid. You know, you give her Pepto, she throws up more. You know, I wouldn't let her get anything beyond her vaccinations and the bare minimum at that. I never let her get a flu shot, none of it. Once I said, no, no, we're, like she's got enough going on in her and you don't know what the fuck is wrong with her, but you want to keep giving her these damn shots. What are they going to do to her? Oh, well, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Well, then until we know, I think we should hold off. And thankfully, I had doctors that agreed because they had no test results that even showed she was sick. Her blood tests were perfect. Perfect. She's the healthiest one out of all of us. But she's the one that you see has the obvious problems. 
you know, and I was like, what do we do about her? You know, like her metabolism, I can't do this, whatever. Luckily when puberty hit a lot of it reversed and she slimmed down so quick. Oh my God. It was like somebody just melted her off. And you know, she was, she got surgeries to like correct bones that grew that, you know, shouldn't have like her foot bone on top of her foot, like grew up and it, made a solid turn going up her ankle juncture into her chin. So that was all she couldn't flex or like point her foot. So she wound up turning it out so she could walk. So she wound up with like a club foot and a huge callus that none of us could get rid of. We used to have it shaved off all the fucking time. Um, and I took her to Robert Wood Johnson Hospital because I saw this little ad in the back of a magazine for a scoliosis clinic. And I was like, you know what? I've tried everything else. Fuck it. I called them and they were like, no, we don't do that. But we do have a clinic. It's called the scoliosis clinic, but it's more just pediatric orthopedics. And I can get you in because the lady we had started kibitzing on the phone because at this point I knew how to deal with people. And I was just like, listen, you know, could you help me? I, I don't know what else to do. And like, I told her a little bit of the story and she was like, honey, we're going to take care of that baby of yours. She was like, let's do this. And she was like, she was on board. This lady, every time I called, I'd be like, I need so-and-so. And she'd jump on the phone. She knew who I was, what I needed, whatever. She remembered. And I got her into this, this little clinic to see doctor. I believe his name was Dr. Thompson. It was Tom something. It was Thompson something, but I can't remember what the hell his name was because again, it was, you know, a long time ago. It was 15, 16 years ago at this point. Might even be more than that. Um, I told him, I said, all right, here's her medical stuff. And I like, I handed him this pile. And he was like, what is that? I was like, that's her medical papers. I said, don't worry, they're all in order. They're all like numbered and labeled and everything. And I, I did a whole rundown. I typed it up. You know, I printed it out. So the first like five pages, it's like where she's been, who she, it's all summarized. And he's looking at me and he's looking through and he's like, you went through all this basically like to get here. I was like, well, nobody will help her. And he was like, I'll be right back. And she's sitting there and she's like, he's not going to help. She was 13. He's not going to help. He's not going to be able to do this. He's not going to be able to do that. I had, you know, a two-year-old Connor with me. Because I had not planned on having babies, but then, <laughs> fertile myrtle. I decided to have sex once. Because he showed up here and was like, hey. And I was like, you know what? I haven't had sex in a year. Fuck it. It's not like he's pushing the numbers up. We had a relationship before. Three minutes later, I'm pregnant. And he's all smug. And I'm like, what was that? He was like, you complaining? Yeah, I, th I thought you'd pick up on that. But then I wound up pregnant and I had Connor. Uh, and Connor was, again, you know, perfect child when he was awake and running around. But at night, oh, God, I don't think I slept till he was like six. I have two-year-old Connor with me. I have Katie, you know, in the wheelchair because she can't walk it. Everything hurts, whatever. And I feel like I'm at the end of my rope. And the doctor comes back in 
smiling. And I was like, do me a favor, doc. Don't get my hopes up. If it doesn't mean something, I said, I need, I need a win. Like I need this kid to have a win. And he was like, I met with the other doctors and we are going to go over this whole case file, the whole thing together. And we will come up with something. We will have a game plan for you. Just give me one month. He was dead serious. He made the appointment. Everything. I went back. He was like, this is what we're going to do. Cause he had all the x-rays in the meantime and everything. And he was like, I want to remove that part of her foot bone and attach it to her ankle and you know it'll support it it will change the muscle will pull one muscle around to pull the the foot back into the position hold on my daughter likes to push my buttons when it comes to stuff because she knows all of it but she likes to sit on the outside of my conversation so she could eavesdrop. And I hate when people do that. So it's like, okay, you know the story. What are you doing? Because now all you're doing is distracting me, Kate. Like, what the fuck? And she was like, uh, 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 is it closed door? It's closed door. Uh, uh, now. Close the door. Because it's just, I know she knows all this, but she doesn't know, like, what it did to me. And I don't want her to. Because I don't want her to feel bad. So if I got to be like, get away, get away, get away, get away. Then I'm gonna, that's what I'm going to do. And I don't. I don't give a fuck who has a problem with it. I really don't. I do what I need to do. So. He said, you know, I'm going to. I'm going to remove that bone. I'm going to attach it to her ankle. I'm going to. You know, basically, he was going to, like, drill it, like, screw it into her ankle. And he wanted to move the muscle from the interior of her leg to the outside, but to pull it in to correct it. And he was like, it's a major surgery. It's going to take, you know, a couple hours. He was like, and I would really like, since I have her, I'm going to have her on the table and she's going to be open up. I would like to do muscle biopsies and you know, do them right there. I was like, I'm on board. Let's do it. Cause he was like, he felt he could make a change for her. He said, whatever diagnosis this is, this is not what she has. He said, so if we don't know what is wrong, if we can't figure out like what to do, there is a term that's more fitting. And it was called transverse myelitis. And he was like, it's just, it's a bigger umbrella term, but it explains a lot more her issues and like how varied her issues are. And again, I, I was, it's just me. Like my family wasn't around, you know, grandma had passed long before that. And my mother didn't give a shit. So it was just me, Katie and Connor. And I had transport, you know, like medical transport come and get us. She had her surgery. Um, Vicky, my friend Vicky had Connor for like two days because I was like, I can't take him to the hospital with me. Like I need to just focus on her. So he got to go to her house and play with her kids and whatever. And he was, he was happy. He was, yeah, he was two. He didn't give a shit. And she was in there for hours, hours, 
hours and hours and hours. And I would just sit there and I'd see all these families supporting one another. And I had nobody. And I just, I didn't know what to do. And I wandered a lot, like a lot. I walked all around that hospital. And finally she was out of surgery and he would come out every couple hours and go, she's fine. Look at me. She's fine. She's knocked out. She's having the best sleep of her life. It was like, I got two anesthesiologists watching her because she did not react well to anesthesia as we found out much like her mother. When he was done, he said, okay, she's in recovery. I'm going to take you to her, but we're going to sit and we're going to talk. And I was like, am I going to be upset? He was like, yeah, but not for the reasons you think. And he was like, when you're done, if you have questions, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm have questions. Like I'm going to have every question. And I put out my little notebook and he was like, oh my God, that's what you've been doing all day. I said, I have been writing down every fucking question. I was like, if you, when you're done, I'll figure out what's left. And then we'll go from there. He was like, it sounds like a plan. Cause he'd gotten used to me. He knew my personality. He knew I was not your average, you know, parent. I was very unorthodox and that's what she needed. You know, so we sat down and he said, I ran every test I could run in that moment. I have um, lab tests, you know, lab things going out to all different places. He was like, I will get you some type of resolution. But as I see it right now, all those things that they said she has, she doesn't have. It's not hereditary. This is not in your son's future. You can have kids and they'll be fine. This was environmental. It was conditional. It was progressive up until the introduction of her hormones, when her hormones shifted. And her body was able to do a little reset. You know, she'll never be who she was meant to be from the beginning. She's who she's meant to be now. Like he knew how to talk to me and he said, I ruled out everything that could take her out of this world. She's not going to die. Not from anything, but like an accident or natural causes or whatever. He was like, but what's going on with her? That's never going to take her life. You don't have to be afraid of that. You don't have to be afraid that your son is going to wind up like that. He was like, and when, When we take the cast off that foot, it's going to be straight, Michelle. And she's going to walk. And she's never going to run a marathon. But she won't need that wheelchair forever. And we will have her in therapy. Like physical therapy, intense physical therapy. And you're not allowed to go. I was like, what do you mean? He said, you're not allowed to go. You can bring her there. You can wait outside, but you're not allowed to do the therapy with her. I was like, why? He said, because you'll never push her the, as hard as they will. You'll give in and you'll get angry. He was like, you know, I got to know you. He was like, she would, she doesn't need your protection right now. She needs to be pushed. Well, he should have never told me that. 
because it was like, oh, that's what she needs? Okay, one pushy mother coming up. And that's what I, I became that super. I said 10 more. But let me tell you something, bitch walks. We only use the wheelchair when it's for distance because she does get very tired. She uses the walker in the house for stability only because she will always have balance problems. You know, and she's got really tiny feet. Her feet didn't grow past size five and a half. They're tiny. And they're very hard to stay upright on. And, you know, we went through all that, but I asked all the questions, all the questions. And he was like, you know, Connor's going to be fine because he'd met Connor. He was like, and you can have more babies. And I just looked at him. I said, I will never have another baby. Never. Because now I'm too afraid to. Connor was a surprise. But there's 11 years between him and Katie. I'm fertile Myrtle. <laughs> I should have had tons of babies in between and I was too afraid to. I was too afraid and now it's too late. But when you're told that this kid is going to die on you, you prepare yourself. You prepare yourself to lose this, this little being that's half your life, half your heart. Because I had two of them, right? So I was going to lose one. And then the doctor said, no, no, you're not. And rather than be happy about it, I was angry. Because I blindly accepted what people told me because I didn't know. I had no leg to stand on when it came to any of that. Which is why I push parents now. You know, when I was an aide, I was especially pushy with the parents. Ask this question. Ask that question. Fuck that doctor. Go to a different doctor. Go to this kind of a doctor. Think outside the box. Don't just go to a pediatrician. Go to like, go to like a holistic person. See what they fucking say. Go to, you know, an orthopedist. Go to a neurologist. Go to like, go to a therapist. Go to like, you know, a pediatric therapist and like a physical therapist and ask them, what have you seen? What, what do you see here? You know, ask people who are related to that field, but not famous in that field. Because anybody who has a lot of notoriety, they no longer give a shit. It's not about their patients anymore. It's about them. And they're not going to go out on a limb and risk their reputation because something is possibly wrong with your kid and maybe they know the answer. They're only going to give you definitive answers. And trust me when I tell you, when it comes to medicine and the body, you're not going to get those very often. I got to go back to my, I wrote it all out. I wrote my bullet points because I knew this was going to happen. Uh, so, yeah, so they wound up, she wound up being diagnosed as transverse myelitis because even after the last test result came back from the fucking Mayo Clinic, by the way, 
they were like, I don't know what to tell you. That was basically the whole synopsis. It was like an 18-page medical report. I don't know what to tell you. We don't know. Like, like, we just don't know. Like, there's degradation, but then there's like, you know, they find all these different enzymes and whatever. You know, they, they found, like, in one of her passing, they found the arachnoid cysts. They found out she didn't just have one, she had three. Um, they never grew, but they couldn't explain why they were there. And they weren't there, like, at one point, and then all of a sudden, there they were. Like, and then they never got bigger. So it was like, why are they there? Like, are they, like, what are they? And they were, like, short of, like, brain surgery. I mean, don't forget this. 20 years ago, short of brain surgery, they wouldn't have figured it out. Like they did all these scans. They couldn't see shit. Contrast, no contrast, whatever. Like nothing was lighting up. So it was a lot, a lot of guessing. A lot of guessing. See, Connor was different. You know, like Connor was fine until he hit three and a half. And then he was just full of rage. And he was aggressive and he screamed. And he didn't joke anymore. He would just growl at you because, like, he couldn't formulate his thoughts anymore. And that one that I was I was on, that one, I was like, nope, not doing this again. Like, y'all going to tell me what the fuck is wrong with my kid? And I took him to, like, um, Hackensack Hospital where they have, like, this autism um, institute, this research institute. And I knew that the doctors there had... I'd known, pe- I'd known people who dealt with them and they were very good. They were not alarmist. Um, they were very conservative actually in their diagnoses. And I got him tested for like hours upon hours upon hours to come out with, okay, he's four years old. He has Asperger's. They were certain of it. His IQ, and I wasn't allowed to be in the room when they tested his IQ, was over 160. She said, I tested him right past the age of 18. She was like, and I had to stop because I'm not allowed to test him beyond that. She said, but his, his processing ability is off the chart. His memorization, off the chart. His comprehension, his verbalization, the only thing he has a problem with is communicating his thoughts into words that someone other than him will understand. And I was like, okay. She said, and I I watched you guys interact. They did. They put us in a fucking room so that we could like interact and they could spy on us. And it was just like, all right, I tried to be as natural as possible. But with Connor, I eventually you stop thinking about things that you're just you and Connor. And they watched him play. They watched me give him directions. They watched me correct his behavior. And they watched him flip out on me for no reason. And they were like, okay, like we got all this. And, you know, there's definitely a mood imbalance because he can't regulate between one mood or another. So he, he goes like into high gear. He's at each end of the intensities. Like he's either zero intensity or off the fucking chart, which is of course, that's me. Right. And I was like, I don't know if that's him like with his disorders or whatever that you're saying he has, or if that's just him being like me. Because I'm not a middle of the road kind of girl. I was like, I'm either not engaged at all or I'm so fucking in you don't understand when where'd she come from and was she always here? 
because I can't remember a time when she wasn't here. Like those, I'm one end or the other. It's just, there's no in between. And that's how he is. And he, the doctor was like, he goes, yeah, as much as you want to say, oh, it's just because he's like me. He's like, no. He was like, this has to do with, you know, what he's doing. He said, and his, the way he expresses himself, the way he communicates, that's not normal to other people. It's just normal to you because you've learned how he speaks. You've learned to interpret what he's saying. That's not normal. Like the way he communicates is not on his level. There's something that's thwarting his progress there. And I was like, all right, so what is it? He was like, well, he has ADHD. And I was like, where the fuck did he get ADHD from? Because uh, his father had ADHD. And he was like, well, he was like, it's hereditary. I was like, is it really? He's like, it's also a learned behavior. I was like, that don't fly either. Because he's never like, he's seen his father twice. And both times he was still drinking a bottle. So I was like, I don't think that has anything to do with it. Uh, because let's let's face it, Eddie didn't want to have anything to do with his son. He didn't want he didn't want to be a father again. You know, he had his daughter. That's it. He wasn't that into her either. But as far as Connor, he he had no interest in his son, his only son, none. And so I had no interest in him. You write off my son, my fucking pride and joy, the one thing in the world that washed away all this fucking rage. Because I couldn't be rageful around him. I just couldn't. Even when he got really, you know, like bad, I could not be angry. Other people made me angry. He, no, I would just take it. It was horrible. I was like a rag doll that he would just beat the crap out of whenever he wanted to. And I was just like, all right, it's okay. Because in my head, I could take it. I've been taking it my whole life from people. You know, this is, this is my baby. If he needs to vent better on me than somebody else, that's the way I, I went through it. Because I wasn't, I wasn't functioning on like all eight cylinders. It just, I was, I was beat up to shit at that point inside. I was just trying to make it day to day. When they told me that he had Asperger's, I had a very hard time accepting that he was anywhere on the autism spectrum. And when they told me he had the ADHD, the, the doctor was like, he said, this, you're in for a rough road. I was like, why? I was like, but he was fine for years and now he's like that. He said, when Asperger's meets ADHD, it's like the worst marriage in the world. And I was like, why? He goes, because one is literal and rigid and the other one just is spontaneous and I just want to do this. But then the other one has anxiety and fear because they need planning. But then the other part of them is like, nah, fuck that. Like, we're going to go do this. I mean, this doctor laid it out. He didn't say fuck, but like, I'm paraphrasing. He was just like, you know, you have this super, super like, like tightly wound person on one side and this party animal on the other and they keep trying to battle for control and all they're doing is making him frustrated because now he's got so many thoughts and so many impulses and everything he can't pick one and that's why he can't sleep because he can't 
dial it down. He can't power down at all. He was just constantly going, 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 going. And I got that because all my life I had not been able to shut down. I was always hypervigilant. It was, I didn't know that's what they called it, but I knew that I was always ready to fight. I was always ready for the attack. And for him, the attack was coming from within his own head. I didn't have to deal with that. If I got mad, I'd punch something. What was he going to do, punch himself? So no, he couldn't communicate. He couldn't pick out the thoughts that were most important. And he couldn't hurt himself because it defeated everything. And he would hurt me, which would make him feel guilty because, you know, he loved mommy. Mommy was the shit. You know, when he saw me at his pre-K graduation, everybody else was a little quiet. And then, and Connor spots me across the room. I have it on video. All you hear is, like super high pitch. It's my mommy, mommy. That's my mommy. That's my mommy. Everybody, that's my mom. He was so happy and proud. And I just fucking, I was red as could be. I was sweating because I was like, oh my God, everybody's looking at me. You literally heard like the whoosh as everybody's head just swiveled toward me because I placed myself all the way in the corner where I wouldn't bother anybody. So of course the entire room was now focused on me and I'm cornered. Not a good thing. But he's all happy, so I'm getting lost in that. And he was just like, that's my mommy. That's my mommy. Hi, mommy. I was like, hi, Connor. He was just so happy. You know, and he was always, it was always that kind of happiness that he greeted me with. It didn't matter if it was graduation. It didn't matter if he woke up in the morning and saw me. It didn't didn't matter. The kid always was happy to see me. You know, I'd be sleeping and suddenly I have this little person holding my eyelid up going, hi, mommy. Get up, get up, get up, get up. I want to, I want to go to the park. I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to Because once he started, it was like, I'm like, okay, all right, let me get Katie on the bus and we will go to the park. Like I would keep him out all day. All day. He was that kid on a leash because he did not listen. Like, if you said, look out for that, he was like, they got to look out for me. Like, it it was like just watching him used to give me anxiety because I was like, this kid's got a death wish. And it was, he didn't have a death wish. He just didn't give a shit. He had no situational awareness at all. He still doesn't. He walks around, he trips over things. I'm like, how did you not see that? I didn't see it. It's huge. It's right in front of you. Like, how did you not see that was in your way? I wasn't paying attention. Oh, that's true. Like you weren't paying attention. And he's always been like that. But, you know, he was, he was my baby. I I loved everything about him, but his own personality was driving him crazy. You know, they were able to give me the damn clonidine and there was another pill that he took very, very low dosage. But what it did was it slowed down the thought processes and just enough that he could go, Oh, now I can pick one. Cause they're not speeding through like trains, you know, like now they're just kind of like, you know, a car going, I could, I can catch that one. And it was a huge difference. He would sleep, which made him infinite, infinitely more palatable because you could just like, okay, he's not being a little shit all fucking day long. Cause he's not overtired. So it was great. But again, like we've had struggles. 
we've had tons of struggles. You know, puberty, again, puberty fixed a lot of what he had going on. There was something about the hormone surge and that shift into like, you know, like his testosterone going up and everything else that made him slow down and be more aware. And I could see the maturity and I, I could still see all the immaturity. Trust me, my kids are not saints by any stretch of the fucking imagination because they're still mine. I mean, it's not, you know, is it nature or nurture? Unfortunately for them, it's fucking both. Like they got the shit under the stick when it came to me because they got my temper. They got my stubbornness. They have my humor, which, you know, y'all know what my humor is like. I say jokes and I hear my son laugh from two rooms away. And I'm like, you shouldn't have gotten that joke. He's like, please, I'm your kid. Like, he's proud of it. And it's great. But like I said, getting to that point with both of them where I can look at them and be like, okay, you know, we can do this. Like, you're, you're going to be able to go out on your own. You're going to be able to do this. You're going to be able to do that. You know, setting expectations with them, not for them, but with them. I don't ever tell my kids, oh, you're going to be able to do this. You're going to do that. I don't do that to them. I'll talk to them about, you know, like their future or whatever. Like, okay, well, what are you comfortable with? What are you, you know, what are you afraid of? I'm going to push you. I just have to know what direction to push you in. Like, I don't want to push you into something that you really don't want, but you're just, you know, like, I think you're just afraid I want to push you in the direction of what you want to do, what you want to be. And you could be angry at me. You could lean on me. You can be afraid with me. I'm not going to hold it against you. We're all afraid. You know, maybe you'll teach me something. That's a big thing with my kids. If they think that them taking a risk, you know, or overcoming something, they, they're, oh my God, like horrendously afraid of to help me they'll do it it takes the pressure off and now they're motivated because it's not just about them now see that they got from me because i raised them my main lesson to my kids was i don't care what type of success you have in life i want i need you to be a good person i want you to be a good person but above all, what does mommy want you to be? Kind. That's the lesson. I want them to be kind. I don't want them to be pushovers. But I don't want them to, to be afraid to be kind to people. I want them to go with kindness first. And then if somebody fucks up, then you let them have it. Because they earned it. You know, but I come out swinging no matter what. Like, I'm just punching the air. I'm punching everything I can every minute of every day. My whole life. I don't want them to be like that. I want them to be kind. And I don't think they quite get it yet that it's, I don't just want them to be kind to other people. I want them to be kind to themselves. Give themselves the love, give themselves the love that, you know, they would give to somebody else or that they would give to a stranger that they're feeling bad for it. Like when, when do you love yourself? When do you feel bad for yourself and say, you know what? 
I'm having a hard time. I'm going to I'm going to take a couple minutes cuz I need it. That's being kind to yourself when you take the time to like really look and say, "Okay, like I'm going to be better." But I really need to just just dwell on it for like 5-10 minutes and get it all out. Or I need an hour where I do nothing but cry. Or I need like a day where it's just about me. You know, maybe you need to go get your nails done. Maybe you need to get your hair done. Maybe if you're a dude, you want to go like, I don't know, go to a shooting range, go to go fishing, you know, do something that's just for you. That'll take you out of your head, take you out of your problems for a little bit. So you have some calm. Be kind to yourself. Because if you're not, you're not setting a good example for anybody else to be kind to you either. I was never kind to me. And so people weren't kind to me. You know, they just assumed, and I've heard it over and over my whole life. She doesn't need help. No, trust me. She's better off on her own. She could do anything. She could do anything. Or as Miguel says, she could do everything. Michelle could do everything. She don't need me. That was true. You know, I didn't need him. His kids needed him. He wasn't going to ever be as responsible as I was or as aggressive as I was. But he could have been there for his kids, not just Katie, but like all his kids. He still doesn't get that. He doesn't get that I don't dislike him because of something he's done to me. I give a fuck. I never, I was never in love with him to begin with. I told him that. Oh, for Valentine's Day, I gave him a card that said um, something about, I'm not saying I'm in, I'm just saying I love you. Because the, it was like a whole lead up to, uh, you ain't shit, basically. <laughs> Because like I said, I was a bitch. Oh my God, I was such a bitch. But he earned it. He did. He earned it. Fair and square. Anyway, all these things have led us to here. And I realized that as many, as many conditions as they had going on, everything that they were looking at. And again, I am not looking at chat. I'm literally sitting here faced away from the computer because I can't. I can't get derailed because I, I, if I stop talking about this, I, I won't pick it back up. Like this. This is painful. And it's okay. It can be painful. Fuck it. When you're stuck in hell, get through it. Just keep going. Don't. Don't stop and don't go backwards. Just keep going. Because eventually there's going to be an end. And I just, you know. Every day I'm struggling. <laughs> I had to retrain myself in how to. How to deal with kids. You know, I couldn't. Couldn't be the parent I had. I couldn't, I couldn't even pretend to like mimic my grandmother. 
because it was so different. My kids' needs were so different than anybody I'd ever known. And I had to retrain myself. It started with Katie. I, I was able to do it quite a bit, but I really changed when I had Connor because his, his condition, I had to modify my behavior so as not to trigger his. Katie was just caretaking. Like I had to take care of Katie. I had to protect Katie. I'm good at that. I am amazing at protecting my daughter. And like I said, she'll be the first one to tell you, you know, she'd kill you. And the lady was like, no, your mother wouldn't. No, she doesn't. You don't understand. My mother would kill you if you tried to touch me. Like, and I was just like, she's not wrong. She's right. You know, I'll go to jail, but I'll go to jail, jail fucking whistling Dixie. Like, I'll go giggling. The song in my heart and blood on my hands. I don't give a fuck because anybody that fucks with my kids, they don't get to live. No, the life you knew, that's gone. <laughs> if I don't end it, I will blow your shit up to the point where you wish you were. Uh-uh. You don't come for my kids. I'll end you. And if I find my kids or anything regarding my kids coming out of anybody else's fucking mouth again, I'm not going to be nice. I will burn your shit to the ground. Remember that. So, when it came to schooling, I knew nothing about special needs. Nothing. I didn't know what an IEP was. I didn't know what a 504 was. And they were going to take me for a ride. Katie was four. Um, I was completely single. And they wanted to, you know, take me to see all these schools that she could go to. This is like the child study team in Hoboken. And I was like, all right, we... So like, you know, one or two schools and they were like, we really, really want you to go to this now, go to this school. This is excellent. It's perfect for her. Da, da, da. They wanted me to do that without, um, without seeing it. They wanted me to just sign off on it. And at this point I'd been fucked with enough that I was like, no, no, like I, I want to go see it because it's outside of town. You know, she's got to get on a bus without me there. Like I, I need to see this school. Oh, uh, and they got real shifty and nervous about it. And I was like, now I really need to see this school. Well, before we went to see the school, I called up the Department of Developmental Disabilities. Because I had an application in there for her because she needed, you know, help. And I was so down on my luck at that point, taking care of her and just having shitty jobs that I couldn't even afford to get her the stroller wheelchair that I needed for her. And I couldn't ask my family. And I didn't know what else to do. And I went to, I went and did something that I never thought I'd do. I went to the Kiwanis Club that was in my neighborhood. And I had done you know, pizza deliveries for them. I had, you know, passed by them literally every day, most of my life. And I went in and I, 
I asked them, I said, I, I really need to talk to whoever runs it. I need help. And the stroller at that time that she needed was about $1,800, which to me, it might as well have been $18,000. I didn't have it. I was still paying for like every doctor's visit and everything out of pocket. So I really had no fucking money. And I talked to the guy and I said, look, this is, you know, this is what I need. And I like, I had all the specs written down. I had her weight and everything. I said, this is not like a con job. Like I just, I just need a little help. I was like, cause they won't give it to me like on a plan. I have to give them the money up front and then they make the stroller wheelchair for her specific needs. Because like I said, she was really, really heavy because like Billy said, grandma's always feeding her. No, it was that she had no metabolism, but it's good. Blame grandma. That's fine. Whatever. That was another nail in the coffin for me and him. Um, and I, 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 broke down and I asked this guy I said what can I do I was like it, you know if you could do this I'll bartend for you every every weekend it, for free for nothing like I'll cater for you if you want like I can make desserts I could do whatever and he and I was just I was back I was begging for help <laughs> I don't beg I never begged anyone for anything material. And after that day, I swore I never would. Because while it worked, I, I felt like the biggest piece of shit. Because I couldn't provide this for my kid on my own. And I felt like such a failure. And he was like, he said, honey. <laughs> he, was, he was like, you know, kids need more moms like you. You don't, have, you don't have to ask. You don't have to beg. You don't have to work it off. You don't have to do anything. We'll, we'll get you the money. I don't think two days passed by. And there they were. They were like, here you go. And they gave me two checks. They gave me the one for the exact amount. And they gave me one to get like a, they had called the company that I told them about to research it to make sure I was, you know, on the level. And they had a special um, extended like warranty <laughs> maybe that's why those people are called see everybody gets those extended warranty calls they're really calling about katie's wheelchair and like her stroller i mean come on now it's just you know i changed my number so they gotta try dedication really he gave me a check for the extended like warranty because it was actually a different company that covered the repairs if something went wrong. I didn't know that. He went and found that out. Or I should say his wife. 
because he said he told his wife the problem and she he said somebody lit her on fire because she was like we're doing this and that was it he was like so even if we didn't give you the money he's like i'm pretty sure my wife would have just drained her bank account of you know just giving it to you i was like thank you and i just destroyed me that people were that good because i hadn't had a lot of experience in that that's what actually got me started volunteering my time i katie at that point was I think she was pre-K four. She was just starting it. And the nurse there, um, Nurse Maria, who, by the way, I saw when I was in the hospital this last time, she walked past. And I mean, I hadn't seen her in 24, 23 years. And she walked past and I heard her. And I was like, Maria? And she said, I know that voice. I was like, oh, my God. She was like, oh, my God. Michelle oh my god how was Katie face and like it was just it was this whole thing and I was just like okay this is this is some type of omen I just don't know what yet and it was good like she she drove us to appointments she drove us to Mount Sinai and stayed with me when Katie had her muscle biopsy um she held my hand when I could not hold it together you know she she was with the slapsticky humor and the, the off-color jokes. And she's Hoboken. You know, she's old Hoboken. Her husband was old Hoboken. He was actually the fire inspector, the chief fire inspector. And, I mean, she's... I guess what you, when people say salt of the earth, that's what they're talking about. Somebody like them, like her. And everything started to, like, fall into place. But I was like, you know what? I got to give back. So I told her, what can I do here? And she said, honestly, she was like, I've heard them talking. And there's like no parent led kind of committee here. I was like, for what? She's like, they want to do some type of policy council, but they're not allowed to set policy. Only the parents can set policy, but we don't have any parents to do it. And we don't know what the policies should contain. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go talk to the director. And I'm when I tell you people were afraid of this lady, she was this really, really, really big, loud black lady who did not take any shit from anybody. And she was always, Rah! but for the kids, she was, hi, honey. Like she just melted for all these kids. And I walked into her office and I was like, I got a problem. She was like, yeah. And what do you think I'm going to do about it? I said, I think you're going to help me because it's going to help you. She was like, what? I said, you want to start a policy council? Who told you that? Birdie told me, do you want to start a policy council? I can't get anybody to establish one or to lead it. I said, I'll do it. And she just looked at me. She was like, can you? I said, lady, I can do anything. Just, I just need the right motivation. I was like, you tell me what you need, and I will do that. And by the end of that year, I had a full policy council. There were six parents on it that would rotate in and out. So they had, like, we had it established there would be two parents that were in the, like, pre-K-3 range. Two parents... And they couldn't be the same family. They had to be two separate parents because I needed different perspectives. 
two parents from the pre-K four and then two parents of like alumni so that they know the transition out of pre-K. Because this was all um, Head Start. This was Hope's Head Start. So they got tons of funding, but they didn't have a whole lot of support back then. Like everything, the money was there, but the ideas, they, they had nobody to carry them out. And I did that. And I led that that policy council for three years after Katie was, you know, done with it. I led it until I left for Kansas. And I made sure these kids had, there were policies in order there were, parents had to like get together and give me like all their concerns and everything else. And I had to figure out the legalities and it really got me interested in the minutia of running the, those different, like the parent teacher liaison kind of thing. And that's what I was. I was the bridge. I was the one that was linking the parents with the administrations and getting the kids what they needed. And in doing that, I learned a lot. So when I had to go up against these bitches who did not want me to see what this new school looked like, I was like, see, no. <laughs> We're going and I'm looking in every motherfucking room. I didn't have to look very far. First of all, we pulled up in front. It looked like an old haunted castle. I was like, how old is this goddamn building? It's older than Hoboken. Sure enough, sure was, sure was. We're walking through. The third room I saw was the one with kids Katie's age, strapped to solid wood um, chairs with solid arms and very thick legs that had straps on them and they all had like a headboard behind with like a cushion and a strap and I was like what the f it looked like an electric chair minus the electric but miniature for little kids and I was like that can't be what I think it is they were restraint chairs these are things that weren't allowed to be used for like <laughs> good, like 10, 15 years. And they still had them. But no adults were walking through this school. It was just the teachers. So there were no parents looking at what was going on. And I saw this little girl strapped in. They had straps on her wrists. Her hands like basically curled over the end of the arms of the, the chair. Her upper body around her, her chest area was banded to the chair. Stomach was belted in like a seatbelt. Each leg was secured to the leg of the chair. As were her ankles so she couldn't kick out. There was one loosely around her neck so that she could only pull forward a certain amount. But it didn't like restrict her. It's just like it didn't pull her back. It's only if she moved forward, it, you know, she only had so far she could go. And there was this strap that went around her head that basically wrapped around like her forehead area to the back of the chair, to the cushion. And I just stood there and as this child just screamed, and the adults in the room did nothing. They just went around like they didn't even hear. 
as she thrashed and that chair looked more and more like it was going to fall. I didn't know they were bolted to the fucking floor. I was like, she's going to flip that chair. No, that was impossible. It was bolted to the fucking floor. I looked at Director Pope, because believe it or not, that was her name, Mrs. Pope. And I said, no. She was like, Michelle, I was, no, no. Like, get, get me. I want out. I want out right now. I fucking lost it. They rushed me out of that school. I was like, you're going to do everything. She's going to Wallace. You're going to get her a fucking therapist. You'll, I told him, you'll pull her out of every goddamn class. I don't give a shit. She is not going to one of these fucking yap yap schools where they're going to fucking strap her down. Are you crazy? Like, I lost it. And she was like, well, you know, we're going to, we might have to report this. I was like, you know what? You go ahead and do that. Because the Department of Developmental Disabilities, they told me you can't do shit. You have to do what I say. Because this is my kid. You don't get to tell me where my kid gets to go. Who did you call? Oh, I called the state. You know the state? Those people that you're terrified of? That's who I called. And I called the DDD. And the state sent me this awesome book of parental and child rights. And an addendum for special needs children. And I was very like, go ahead, come on. Shoot me the next thing. Come on. Did anything you I'm gonna knock it right the fuck out the park because I got my shit covered, bitch. And I did. She was not prepared for me to finally know. Because looking at the history, it looked like I didn't know, right? I didn't know what an IEP was till I did. I didn't know what a 504 was until I did. And then I started asking, like, teachers that I knew that had retired. Do you know anything about this? Oh, yeah. They always tripped them up doing that. Really? Okay. I asked questions. Not normal questions. I found out that the IEP was a legally binding document to the letter. Oh, yeah. You could take them to court if they step out of bounds even once. And if they step out and you bring it to their attention, they do it again. You own their fucking ass. I learned never, ever let go of the IEP in favor of a 504. Because while a 504, they tell you it's the same. No, it's not. A 504 is open to interpretation thanks to federal laws. Yep. Department of Education says, oh, well, you know. This is just a guideline, really. It's a suggestion for the teachers. Really? They don't have to do anything in those 504s. And they can't be held legally responsible if they don't follow the 504. Because, again, it's just kind of like, you know, it's a discussion that you guys have. Their weak points, their strengths, and it doesn't always have to be adhered to. An IEP, that's very different. That's why you see them flip out over IEPs. If you say you are out of compliance, yeah, watch them fucking scramble because they know they could get sued for so much fucking money. Money doesn't mean shit to me. So I never, I never thought about pursuing the money aspect. But you know who money matters to? The Board of Ed. 
they like their, you know, like their creature comforts. The superintendent, she likes her quarter of a million dollar a year salary. Even though she never shows up to work. You know, like they love their money. So what you need to do is you need to use their money and their love of it against them. Anytime they think that you're going to take their money away, they will jump through every fiery fucking hoop you set up. They brought me an occupational therapist that told me her game plan for Katie was to teach her how to eat with a fork, to um, brush her hair, and to be able to, you know, like, toilet herself. And I'm looking at her and I said... You're going to teach my daughter how to use a fork? Well, yes, this way she, she'll learn how to eat so she can feed herself. I looked at the, the principal and I was like, he was my high school principal. I said, really? This is the shit that they're trying to pull over on me? He was like, now, Michelle. I was like, don't now, Michelle, me. I'm not your fucking student anymore. I was like, uh-uh. And I wasn't working for the Board of Ed yet. So it was like, I just... I was very free with my cursing and my, you're a fucking idiot. Uh, I looked at the occupational therapist. I said, have you met my daughter? Oh, yes, I have full work up on it. Have you met my daughter face to face? Well, no, not yet. You're giving me a game plan and telling me about my kid without having met her. Well, that doesn't really make a difference. It does make a difference. You're telling me you're going to teach her how to use a fork. There's nothing deficient about my fucking daughter. Trust me. Take one look at her. She knows how to eat. Trust me. She also knows how to go to the bathroom. That's not the problem. She knows all these things that you tell me you're going to teach her. I've already taught her. So who the fuck are you and what the fuck are you going to do for my kid? You know what? Do me a favor. Get the fuck out. Get the fuck out right now. And I made her leave. I threw such a fucking fit. I was like, this meeting isn't going anywhere as long as this fucking piece of shit is in front of me who's telling me what she's going to teach my daughter without even fucking meeting her. Uh, well, Michelle, calm down. No, I don't calm down when it comes to my kids. I don't. Because if I don't fucking go balls to the fucking wall for them, who's gonna? Tell me, who's gonna fight for your kid more than you? Never let any of these administrative fucks intimidate you. You go in, you go full. And Rabbit, you know what? All the things Katie has been through, her, her condition isn't progressive anymore. She gets better. She gets better every day. We have pitfalls, same as with me, but she gets stronger. You know, she she's learning life skills that she wasn't capable of learning before. You know, this is the child who blew up two microwaves because she just couldn't stop putting metal in there because I forgot. Like, she doesn't forget anymore because I'm like, what do you do? You microwave me? What do you put in the microwave? Use the air fryer. At least if you air fry a fucking fork, I don't give a shit. Like, it's just like, come on. But um, she's gotten much better. You know, she's learned to do laundry. She's learned how to run the dishwasher. She's learned ah, how to load the dishwasher. That's a fight. Because, yes, there is a right way to load a dishwasher. And the right way is very easy to explain my way 
that's the right way to load a dishwasher. My way. I don't care what she thought she was doing before. I was like, you're going to load this the way I load it. All right. I don't want to hear your mouth. I don't want to hear your ideas. No. Every time you do it, there's just crusty food stuck onto the... Just listen to mommy and just do it the way I do it. And finally, she figured out, oh, there are some things that she knows better. Like, <laughs> oh, maybe I'll listen to her. All these things, like, she's... She's so young-minded. That's why she's so happy. She doesn't She doesn't hold on to all the stress that we do. Every day is a reset for Katie. You know, I used to laugh. I'd be like, she's really upset, but I know you feel bad, but don't keep, don't keep bringing it up and bringing it up. Like, give her 10 minutes. Trust me, she'll forget and she'll be fine. And I don't mean that to be flippant. I literally mean in 10 minutes, she will forget what the hell just happened. And you could basically convince her of anything. Just instead, just go on like nothing happened. And she'll be fine with that. Because her brain's saying, oh, I'm forgetting something. Nobody's reminding me. Ah, oh, fuck it. We're happy. We're happy. Like, that's just Katie. She's just that, you know, I'm just a happy guy. I'm a happy guy. I'm a happy dog. Like, that's Katie. All day, every day. She's just that bouncy, like, da, 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 da. everything makes her laugh. Yeah, I told you, I, I make her laugh because she farts when she laughs, and that makes her laugh harder, and it makes her fart harder. <laughs> we have an hour of green, noxious air, but it's hysterical. And I live for those moments, because we didn't have a lot of those when she was little. There's so much crying on her part and mine. But I fought for her. I fought for physical therapy in the school. I fought for occupational therapy that made a goddamn difference. I fought for speech therapy because Katie's muscles from the waist up function, but they're a little weak. They've always been a little weak since she got sick. So like when she talks, her tongue, because your tongue is a muscle, she can't always flatten her tongue so that the sound can come out of her mouth. So it sounds like she's mumbling. And I'm like, what? What? Kate, slow down. Slow down. No, I need you to slow down. Think about what you're saying. Say it clearly. I need you to enunciate. And that's why I talk the way I talk. I could talk like this before. Between being a kindergarten, like, aide and then a teacher and then dealing with this kid and the, I have to be very precise sometimes. So I can't do the jersey all the time. That's my relaxed, you know, diction. But when I talk to Katie, I have to be very precise. And I, she's got to see, like, the motion of, like, my lips, my tongue, whatever, so that she knows to mimic it. You know, otherwise she'll keep her mouth shut real, like, narrow and talk like... And her tongue, like, she'll keep it, like, swelled up and... And you can't understand a fucking word, she says. And I'm like, you're not paying attention. You're being careless. Pay attention to how you're talking. Try it again. Some days I have that kind of zen. Some days I don't. Some days I'm like, oh my... God, stop fucking mumbling. 
And she's like, oh, I'm trying. I'm like, I'm not trying hard enough because I know you can. So just stop. Like, today's not the day, Kate. And she's just like, oh, shit, she called me Kate. Like, as soon as I call her Kate, she's like, ah, no, nah, today's really not the day. And it's okay. I get to be temperamental sometimes because it's a lot. I'm not a perfect parent. I never wanted to be a perfect parent. If you're perfect, there's no room for improvement. You don't grow. You know, the same way my kids improve, I want to improve right next to them. And I forgive myself sometimes now when I trip. I don't know that I forgive myself as much for before. I think because it was just so painful because it wasn't me. I, I couldn't just swallow that pain and keep going like it. And I couldn't take it from them from her or from him. You know, I couldn't take that struggle away. And as a parent, that's what you want to do. You know, and I didn't have a partner to help with that. Even when I had a partner, they were not helpful. I always had to be the mother and the father, which I can't do. I mean, I did what I could, but it's not the same. And then I have to constantly hear people talking shit about single mothers and, yeah, oh, you don't have a man in your life. Your kids are going to be fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> people don't get how much that hurt because it's not something I could control. And I'm doing the best I can. I was never this one of these cunts walking around going clubbing every night and just the revolving door of boyfriend. I never did that. I never did that to my kids. And yet I get lumped in with these bitches who don't raise their kids. All these kids know is, you know, Chris Rock said it one day and I... I was hysterical. He's like, maybe if your kid knows how to say something other than mommy be back, you know, maybe we got a shot in the future. But that's all they know is mommy be back. Mommy got to go to the club. Mommy got to go do this. And I knew so many people like that. And I never did that. I never did that. If I went out, my kids went with me. You know, it was all right. We're going to the park. We're going to the movies. We're going to the mall. Yeah, anything or we just stayed home and we made the most of it there we'd watch movies we'd bake we'd argue we'd dance we'd sing we'd cry we'd whatever but we did it together when everybody's like oh my god i can't stand this pandemic i have these kids at home i was fine you couldn't touch my world oh my god i'm by myself nobody can intrude my kids are here. They're not going anywhere. So I, I don't have to worry about them getting into trouble outside of here so I can relax a little. Oh, we got 24 seven together. It's not a problem for me. Wasn't a problem for them either. But when I get blamed and I get lumped in with these nasty, slaggish, fucking manipulative, narcissistic pieces of shit, I get upset. 
I get very upset because it's like I don't need anybody to give me a fucking award, but could you at least acknowledge that I work damn hard with these kids? That I tried to do it right. I tried to correct the course and I couldn't. But I didn't make them worse. I just couldn't make them what they would have been with if I maybe had the right kind of partner. You know, the right other half. You know, oh, you're too tough. You're too abrasive. You know, you're you're so mean. You're so angry. God, you're so aggressive. Yeah, guess what? I had to step into the male role. That's not where I belong. Not where I'm comfortable. When I'm not comfortable with something, I overdo it. Again, extremes. It's all or nothing. It was hard to regulate. But I did what I could, and it was the world constantly told me, you're not good enough. You're not doing a good enough job. You're going to fuck those kids up. And I hear my uncle when I told him I was pregnant with Katie, you should get an abortion. What? You should get an abortion or put that kid out for adoption because you're going to suck as a mother. Who, who the fuck are you to raise a kid? You're not even a good person. You're going to be a horrible mother. You're going to fuck that kid up. Give him away. What? <laughs> I went down this long road with Katie. And the only thing people told me was to not have hope. There's no hope. I had hope. See, that's the thing about me. I always have hope. Now, it can help me or it can fuck me up. But I will always have hope that things are going to get better. That if I put the work in, it'll improve. And I put the work in for my kids. So much so that I neglected myself. I neglected my relationships with people, my friendships. I lost friends left and right because they were like, why can't we just go away for a weekend just, you know, to do Because I can't. My kid needs me. I'm not leaving her. I'm not leaving him. I'm not doing that. Well, you know, can I come over and watch a movie? No. Why not? Because you won't be able to stop touching me, and I just don't want my kids to see that. Like, you're going to be wrapped around me, and my kids are little, and you're not permanent yet. Like, I don't know if you're going to be temporary or not, and I don't need them seeing me being given this like affection and love to somebody who's just going to walk out of our lives and be gone in a couple months. And that was just me being brutally honest. That wasn't me being pessimistic. That was me saying, Hey, I don't know about you yet. So I'm not going to introduce you to my kids. I'm not going to let you near my fucking kids until I know that they're safe from somebody like you until I know you're somebody who's going to keep them safe. Like, I won't let you in. I won't let your toe in the goddamn door if I'm suspicious at all. So people, like, there have been people who have 
come in and said, oh, you know, let me talk to your son. I'll tell him a thing or two. Fuck you. You ain't getting near my son. I don't give a shit if you're just a fucking voice somewhere. Don't tell my son what to do. And that was a very specific person who did that. And then there are others who give me advice and tell me, look, you know, tell them this, you know, if you want. And I get to chew, chew it, you know, over or whatever the fuck, because words are not my friend right now. I get to turn it over in my head. There you go. I get to chew on it. There you go. I, I finally got my, my sayings separate in my head. And I, I did it and it worked. And I was like, okay, that's new. And little by little, I, I, I opened up a little bit and I, you know, I opened that door, opened that door. I always was ready to slam doors shut and that's just not a door I want to slam. And it's a big foot in that door. When it came to my son, I tried to do what I did with Katie. I tried to do the, um, the aggressive approach, the unbending, unyielding approach, because that's what Katie needed. Connor is a very different person than Katie. And it took me a while to adapt. Katie needed guidelines that didn't budge. Connor needs movable goalposts. Yeah. He needs a gentler approach. Because he'll meet aggression with aggression every time. And he's the one that told me that. Ma, why are you yelling? You know it doesn't help, right? He was very fucking calm about it. And I was like, what? And I'm like, he was like, you yelling just makes me want to yell. And then we're yelling at each other and then we're mad and nothing changes. And then we're just not talking. And then neither one of us are happy. So yelling doesn't work. Talk to me. Don't talk at me because I really don't like being mocked. And I'm much more intelligent than you give me credit for. I was like, fucking kid. Like, I was like, are you kidding? And not for nothing, that's a lie, because I think he's brilliant, and I've always thought that. But from his perspective, I was treating him like he didn't have a brain in his head. I was talking to him like he was a kid. And while emotionally he's a kid, intellectually, he's more advanced in his thinking. Not his maturity, but his thinking. He's the exact opposite of Katie. You know, Katie is childlike. You know, she's very okay. Like she's just very easy to <laughs> she just goes along with it. Because she just wants harmony and happiness. He wants to win. <laughs> He's competitive. And he is me in so many ways. But he was he was starting to be the damaged part of me. And I, I couldn't do that. I couldn't let him become that. So I drastically changed. I learned to understand him. How did I do that? I became a special needs classroom aide. First, I started one-on-one -on -one with like 
you know, the ADA kid, the ABA kids. And these are the nonverbal, very autistic, very high strung, low functioning, high emotionality type children. That's where I started. And I quickly figured out that I can't do this here all day and then go home to it. I will, I will unalive myself. I told my director, I said, I will unalive myself. I can't deal with this amount of stress. I can't. I said, I, but I need to learn this. So I need to, do we have an area here where it's like under like ABA, but like between ABA and general ed? She was like, yeah. She was like, so we have self-contained. And we have inclusion. I'd like to put you in inclusion. Okay. I have a pregnant teacher there. Fuck my life. <laughs> you kidding? She said she needs somebody who is, you know, capable of taking, taking the reins when she has to go. And she said, I've seen you. And I know that you could step in like, like nothing. She's like, I've seen you, Michelle. Okay. And that's how I met G. That's how I got my first inclusion class. And Connor was in second grade. That's when I met my friend V, uh, who was his teacher. And it turns out she was the little cousin of the bitch that bullied me in school and had me beat up every day for like almost a year. Because I was, you know, good church going girl and whatever, and I didn't fight. And then I, you know, unalive myself and I was different. After that, it was like, oh, okay. I came back fighting. I didn't have that before. I needed that, that fight for Katie. I had to give it up when it came to Connor because it, it didn't work for him. I got involved in watching and observing all these kids. I started doing research on the different disorders and the different behaviors. And, you know, I talked to like the really good special needs teachers in the different grade levels. What can I do? Like, I have a kid doing this. I don't know what to do. Well, what is your, you know, what do you think you should do? My instincts are telling me do this. But that's because when, you know, my son does it, I do the da 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 and they were like, all right, so do that. And I learned to trust, rather than instructions, I learned to trust my instincts when it came to these kids. You know, I didn't jump in and I know what the problem is from like the minute I fucking read their file or see them or whatever. No, I observed them. I, I didn't interact with them. I removed myself from them so that I could just see them in their natural habitat with natural reactions. And that's how I always figured out what the cause of the meltdowns were. You know, what sets them off? What's a trigger? What, what little hint are they giving me that they're overstimulated and on their way to a meltdown? You know, I learned these things and I practiced on my class so that I could be amazing for my son. That was the point. But it wasn't enough. Not for me. So I wanted to know everything. So I went back to school. It bothered me that I didn't get my college degree the first time around because I got pregnant. 
Um, you know, I got a baby out of it, but I didn't get a degree. And here I am working full time. Connor went to Tiger Shulman every day. And I do mean every day. For anywhere from two to six hours. So I had a full time job. I was single mom, two kids. Katie was doing her therapies and shit like that. And I decide, you know what? I'm just not busy enough. Let me go and get my college degree online. Okay. Oh, I could do a double. That's great. So <laughs> I went and it took me three years of nonstop classes. I didn't get any vacations. I didn't get holidays off. Like I didn't get summers off. I went right through. I could have taken them. I didn't want to. I, I, Tested out of as many classes as I could, like Englishes and maths and all that kind of stuff. And I just stuck with the things that taught me about kids. So I went for early childhood education. That was my major with a minor in child development because they needed to work together. I needed to know both. And they do teach you a little child development when you're doing early child education, but they don't really get into it. And I needed to know. I needed to know how to do the research on it once it was over so that I could keep learning. And I did it. And I, I was proud of myself and my kids were ridiculously proud because they saw how hard I worked. I mean, I was getting three, four hours of sleep during the week if I was lucky. You know, I, I was dead on my feet, dead on my feet, but I was still happy. You know, I was good with them. I was good to them. They were progressing. They were thriving. You know, Katie was, <laughs> Katie was finishing up um, school and everything. And she just, she never missed a day, never missed a day. She missed one day for that surgery, um, which was during the, the World Series, by the way, and the Yankees were were playing. I believe it was their last game. I can't really remember uh, of the year that year. Um, I I did everything I could, and I was really really busy, and but I was happy, and I graduated with a four point I mean, I kicked ass. Even my teachers were like. Are you sure you haven't taken these courses before? No, I never took. You have a lot of insight. I, I'm good at what I do. I take what I do and I apply it to your lessons rather than taking your lessons and applying it to what I do. Because I just happen to know more than most of the people in this class. Because I've been living that life. You know, not just at the job. It was from the minute Katie, you know, was born, I was learning. Every day was a fucking lesson. You know, and I went and I did all this and I, I got the degrees, not so I could get a better job, so I could understand my kids. So I could, you know, like look at Connor and go, okay, let's try this. Let's try that. I needed different strategies because I was not going to let him down the way I thought I let Katie down. I mean, looking back, yeah, I didn't really let Katie down. I just, I did what I could in the moment and. You know, I'd auto-correct as we went. Always correcting my course. Always, 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 always. I was always cognizant of where we're going. Which is why I took all the hits. You know, like, 
bad marriage, that was on me. She didn't pay for that. He was a good father until he wasn't. And the minute he stepped out of line, we were out of there. It was it. He, you don't get another chance with my kids. You get one shot. That's it. Um, kids, it's really hard to raise these kids, but I take a lot of it on myself. Right? I, I went and got educated and all these things because I, I didn't know anything. I didn't know anything. And I was, like I said, I was on my own. I didn't have anybody for backup. I didn't have anybody to say, hey, you know what? Why don't you take a break? I got this for now. No, it was always me. Every meal was me. Every doctor's appointment. Every, 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 everything. And everything that I needed, I didn't have time to deal with. So I would just push it down, push it down, push it down, push it down. We'll deal with this shit later, bitch. Just pack it up. Pack it up. You got shit to do. And that's why after, like, the lockdown and everything, I I was sick. And all my brain needed was that one little push for the whole seesaw to just go. Boom. The balancing act was gone. I could not do it anymore. You know, what, what did that line from... Dirty dancing, I was balancing on shit. And that's that's what I was. I was balancing on shit. And in the heartbeat, I was on my ass and could not get back up. And I didn't realize it was something, you know, physical that was making that a thing. But I did what I always do. I researched and I did what I could to improve my home environment so that I could take my kids back into the home environment and know that they were good because now I couldn't trust the government. I couldn't trust the schools. I didn't trust anybody with my kids, but me. That was it. Did it drive me crazy? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely drove me crazy. But I started looking at things a different way. You know, I was like, all right, I've done all this fighting for them. What have I really taught them other than to fight? Other than to, you know, like stand up for themselves, which, you know, it's important. But it's not everything. You know, I, I catered to them and their moods to make life a little easier because I knew I couldn't deal with too much. And that was wrong. That was a failing on my part. Because it became easy to just go, fine, what, go ahead, whatever. And I would say, oh, well, I'm picking my battles. No, I, I fought every battle to the death before. I just stopped fighting. I stopped fighting for them. I stopped fighting for me because we were all in this house. There was no threat. That was getting into this house i could relax most people say relax i don't know how to relax i just shut down and that's what i did but i got introspective like i started looking at things the more people i met on youtube nick really like got me started thinking about so many things and then i would talk to katie about it or i would talk to connor about it and i would say look this is how it was 
This is what we changed to. Neither one of them worked. You tell me what you think you would want to do. And he was very free with his, like, you know, oh, I could do this, I could do that. Da, da, da. And he was like, the main thing I want is for you to teach me how to live on my own. I was like, why? And instantly, I was like, why are you leaving me? Why do you want to leave me? Why do you want to abandon me? Because that's, yeah, that's my issue. That's my issue. He wasn't thinking of leaving me. He was thinking when I leave him, because I'm older than he is, right? My son is very practical in some things. And when I was getting sicker and sicker, he was like, I need you to teach me because you're not always going to be here to teach me. I was like, I'm not going anywhere. He's like, I know you say that. He's like, and if it was up to you, you would be fine. You would be here forever. But like, I, I watched you almost die. I need you to teach me that, you know, like I, I need to know how to do stuff. So he'll learn for him, but he's very reluctant to learn from me now. Because he's a little resentful. And I get it. I get it. He's at that stage. He's 16. He's about to be 17. Jesus Christ. And he doesn't quite get that I did everything in my power and the power of others to help him. That it was never about me. I always put him and Katie first. Always. But like they're they're getting to that place where they're not even if they never leave the house, like leave my home, they're going to venture out and have relationships with people and try new things. But they're going to leave me behind, basically. And I want them to. I think they feel a little guilty, but I want them to. I just don't know how to let them go when the time comes. So. That'll be something I ask for help with from you guys because I don't know how to cut the apron strings. I just don't. I know how to triple knot those bitches into like all those Boy Scout knots that you guys are taught that'll never let them, you know, separate from me. Here's the thing. I could tie all those knots I want. Somebody could always come along and be like, girl, no, and just cut the fucking tie before the fucking knots start. Like, that's an option. I'll deal with that when it comes to it. That's one of my procrastination things, like, because I can't do anything about it right now. And I keep trying to tell my son, why are you worried about this now? Why are you, this is not something you need to worry about for like, you know, 10 years easily. Well, but then 10 years comes up. Listen, you could either worry about it then or you can worry about it now, all the way up till then, so that you're just always worried. Like, and it's not going to make a difference. You're just going to be worried that whole time. So do you want to like enjoy your life in that time and then worry later? You know it's like way down the road. Hell, you might not even get there. Anything can happen. 
he doesn't think that your life can change in the blink of an eye. He's not, that's not something he can comprehend yet. He's seen it in action, but I, he can't wrap his head around the fact that things can change in the blink of an eye to improve. He knows they could change in the blink of an eye to get worse. Who doesn't know that, you know, your life could just fall the fuck apart in a couple breaths? Everybody knows that. Everybody's afraid of that in some instinctual primal level inside. But who thinks that your life could just improve in an instant exponentially? Not a lot of people have that mindset. You know, they're afraid to hope for that. For me, there's always hope. I ran out of hope one time. And I had, you know, I detached from life for seven minutes because I had no hope. I had no hope. Apparently, my sister had plenty of hope for the two of us. Because I did come back very, very different. Very, very different. That sweet girl that I was was gone. The one who was afraid to hit anybody, afraid to open her mouth and strike back, that bitch was dead. And in her place was this just... Oh, you might as well have just put me on the goddamn back of a motorcycle with a leather jacket, and that, that would have been my personality. That's the type of personality I slipped on. And I wore it like armor. I still wear it like armor. It's my sword and my shield, because I'll use it to protect myself, and I will bash you over the fucking head with it as well. And I'm trying not to do that. I have painful spots. I have tender spots that that I haven't dealt with. You know, I dealt with with all that shit with my dad, with my father last week. I got off my meds last week. So I don't have anything clouding my emotions. I have nothing influencing me medicinally to feel one way or another, to think one way or another, to reduce my capacity to work things out, to reduce my ability to face things. None of that. I have none of that in my way right now. The only thing in my way is me. So I made a list because we were going to be talking about you know, education, we we're going to be talking about like the IEPs, everything. And all of that, all of this leads into that. When you're fighting for your kids, you don't have to show the fight all the time. You don't have to be the Amazon warrior. You can fight with knowledge. You can fight with sweetness. I have learned how to talk to people to where I disarm them by being super, super sweet. And they don't know what to do with that because the natural reaction would be to be angry. 
you know, they say something they know I'm not going to like. They figure, oh, this bitch is going to come back at me. And I just go, hmm. Okay. I need to think about that. But okay. Thank you for helping me. And I'll walk away and I will fucking fume. But I won't let them see it. How many times I could have, like, launched myself over a table at somebody in one of those IEP meetings? Because of the ignorant bullshit that these fuckers would say. And it was never the teachers that said the shit. Because they loved my son. It was the admins. And it was the child study team. Who didn't know him from a fucking hole in the ground. Because they were too busy having their little tea parties. Because we're a team. Everything's teamwork. No, bitch. It's work for the kids. Stop hanging out. This ain't a sorority. Smarten the fuck up and take care of these kids. Stop giving them a bunch of Legos, putting them in a corner and letting them stay there for weeks on end because you don't know how to change a behavior. Stop calling crisis on kids that are hungry. Like, just stop. Blaming these kids, blaming the parents. Do your job. Fucking get a little bit more educated. How about, I think there should be a rule. None of these goddamn child study team people, none of these social workers should be allowed to have those jobs if they don't have any fucking kids of their own. If you're not a parent, shut the fuck up and don't talk to me. Don't you dare give me advice on how to be a parent when you've never been there. That's like training friggin' guys to go off to war when you've never seen a goddamn battle in your life. Fuck you. All that shit is you being egotistical thinking your education in theoretical shit made you a fucking expert. You don't know dick and you couldn't hold my fucking tit, bitch. Don't. That's me fucking, that's the jersey. That's me going, no. Oh, no, no, no. You want to go? I will rip you to fucking shreds. Do not tell me you know more than me. You want to, you think that? Prove it. Prove it. Make the fucking difference right now. But they can't. Because all they know is textbook shit. They know textbook shit. They know how to do the bare fucking minimum when they're making 80 grand a year doing nothing and walk around, well, it's me. It's this is just stressful. No, it's not. You're an idiot. You're an idiot who should have had a counselor but didn't. I had one of his caseworkers, she's, she used to shake and talk like this, and oh my God, and isn't it great, and oh my God, and I said, please stop, because you look like a fucking chicken pecking at something, and I can't take you seriously, and I worked with this bitch, I didn't give a fuck, and she was like, oh, you know, like, we really, we have to be morally superior, we have to do this, we have to do that, we have to hold yourself to a higher standard, you know, we have to do that, come to find out, she was banging every fucking, she's the biggest whore biggest whore and you're gonna lie to my fucking face telling me how to act when you don't know the first fun clue and by the way you got no kids why don't you have kids because nobody wanted to stay with you long enough to plant the goddamn seed because you're a fucking psycho that's why see that's me being mean but tell me where the lie is See, I'm not being mean as much as I'm being brutally honest with people who delude themselves into thinking they're morally superior because they got a degree. Bitch, you know how many degrees I got for other people? 
Any idea? I accumulate knowledge like people like collect money and hoard it. Like that because that's what's valuable to me. Knowing. Having options. Landing in a situation and not panicking, going, I don't know what to do. Landing in a situation, evaluating and going, all right, we could do this. Let's go. I'll fucking fall apart later. But right now we in it and we're in it together and follow me. Let's go. And I will get them out of it. I will win every situation. And as soon as it's done, I will fall the fuck apart. I do this to help you guys. To give you even one thing to think about that you never thought about before. Because sometimes that's all you need. It's just a little change in direction. Five degrees, you know, 45 degrees. It doesn't matter if you're going in the right direction, but it's just, you're just not getting it yet. I will happily throw myself on the fucking fire. And just to show you, no, listen, pay attention. I am opening myself up and I could get ridiculed and I could get mocked and I could get negative comments and negative feedback. And I don't give a fuck because I can, I can help you. Let me help you. Learn from the shit that I've done right and the shit that I've done wrong. And the stuff I'm still confused about. It's okay to fail. You're gonna. If you can't forgive yourself for making mistakes. How do you expect your kids to love themselves even though they make mistakes? They're already setting out at a disadvantage. You know. Why, why would you rob them? of the ability to correct themselves and forgive themselves and move on. It's hard to move on when you've made that kind of mistake, when you're, you're out there and you're just like, oh, I don't know what to do. I'm no good at this. I'm no good at that. You know, I'm going to fail. They always said, fuck what they always said. Why are you listening to other people? Even me, why are you listening to me? Why? Because you're hoping there's something I say that will click or something I say that will make you feel better about your situation, or something that I say that'll make you laugh, or, you know, give you a different perspective, or give you a couple minutes of rest, a couple minutes of just this bitch in her mouth, so that you don't have to think about that thing for a couple minutes. Just any kind of reprieve. That's all I'm here for. You know, I'll love you and be there for you as long as you let me. I don't, I don't need you to love me back for me to love you, but it, it's nice. It's always nice when I get those messages going, you know what, that really helped. That's the kind of love that I need. I don't need um, any kind of fake effusive kind of like declarations i just need somebody to stick around and go you know what you're not always wrong like like you're not always wrong i like what you said yeah that helped it didn't help a lot it helped a little but it helped or i needed that laugh 
I just needed to not think about this for a minute. And you were telling stories and you were being all, you know, you. And it's good. It got me out of my head for a minute. Sometimes that's the best you can do. Sometimes it's the most I can do. Sometimes it's the least I can do. As long as something is landing somewhere for somebody in a positive way, then every single thing I do here is worth it. Because I walk away from you guys like with a garbage pail full of dirty tissues because I've been crying and my nose is running and I'm gross and it's just like, all right. Ooh, you know, and I just got to like take that breath and then I go and face my day, I face my kids, I face my problems as much as I'm willing to. Uh, again, you know, you, you're not a cure for my avoidant personality, but you do help. Because I'm doing it for you. If I do it for myself, it'll never get done. It's just, that's just not who I am. I'm, I'm an advocate. That's, that's what I do. I will hang myself out to dry for the collective. If it helps a kid, if it helps somebody that I love. And I love, oh, I love so much. It hurts how much I love. I told you I made a list because I was thinking about the single mom thing. Now, for me, being a single mom, it made me more stubborn. It made me more protective, more determined. It made me into a fighter when all I was before was just an, an angry survivor slash victim because I lived in between the two states of that. I was either a victim or a survivor. No, I was in the middle and I needed to fucking pick one. See, I have a problem making decisions. You know, I'm stuck in the middle of moods, stuck in the middle of people, stuck in the middle of sexualities, like stuck in the middle, always stuck in the middle, which is where I don't live. I live there, I guess, but I'm more extremist. So even within myself, there's a conflict of who I am, but what I'm doing, who I want to be, but what I have to do. Being a single mom made me very, very, very independent. But it was an independent where I, it's not that I didn't need somebody else. I couldn't need somebody else. I didn't have the time to devote to somebody else. I didn't have the willingness to open up and learn about somebody else. Cause what if I'm wrong? It's my kids. They were little. Yeah. I was going to protect them the way I was never protected. And if that meant being a single mom, rather than have some asshole in my house, that's going to introduce like a bunch of fucking potheads and crackheads and whatever into our lives, then fuck you. There's the door. I'll do it on my own. Is it the best option? No. Sometimes it's the only option. 
I could have done whatever. I could have had a different boyfriend every day. There is nothing keeping me from having people like men in my life. Trust me, every fucking one of my exes, they don't leave me alone. Everybody wants a fucking, you know, foot back in the door. And I'm so over that part of my life. I am so over anyone who doesn't add to my well-being and my kids' well-being and our improvement. I am not in it for somebody who doesn't think, all right, we're 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 moving forward, all of us. Like, I'm not just going up. You're going up, too. Like, if we rise, it's going to rise together. Because everybody's willing to do the work. I won't ever go back to what I had before because they literally were just placeholders. They were people for me to look at and go, okay, you're what I don't want. You're what I don't need. So I knew what to stay away from. I just didn't know what to go toward. So I educated myself as usual. And I learned from many, many, watching many strong men, watching them struggle, watching them fuck up, you know, watching them admit to their mistakes, watching them deny their mistakes. All of that gets processed in my brain over time. And now that I don't have any of those um, psych meds that were making my brain feel like it was moving further and further away from me, so many things are clicking into place. It's just, if you understood how confused I was before, my thoughts were, and I've said this, ramen noodles. You can't tell the beginning, the end. You can't tell if they're broken. It's just all jumbled together. Can it be entertaining and delicious and fun? Yes, it can, but it could also be messy and frustrating and just a lot. It could hide a lot. And that's what I did. I would just bury everything. That's not a good thing to teach my kids. That your your best bet to get along with people in this world is to just not be you. I was teaching them that. I was teaching them not to put their needs as a priority. I was teaching them that it's okay to let people walk all over you as long as they stay. Because even like hurtful attention, at least they're there. They must care a little, right? No, they don't. They don't care at all. They care about themselves. If that. So I don't do that anymore. I, if you're toxic, get the fuck out. Okay, And I have no fucks given. There are zero fucks left. If you're toxic, get the fuck out. I love free speech. I will ban your ass if you harass me or irritate me. Fuck you. My peace of mind is way more important to me than your freedom of fucking speech. You want freedom of speech? Go somewhere else and do it. You have the freedom to speak. I have the freedom to not listen. How about that? See how that works? 
And I could already hear somebody out there. Sure do. Sure do. The flip side of being a single mom for me, other than the protectiveness, the determination, I was more isolated. I realized that I was more reluctant to not trust anybody, to meet anyone of value. Because if I met somebody who was worth something and my kids needed me more, I would have to turn away from that person. And I knew that would make me very resentful. Because I was still resentful that I lost Billy to a diagnosis that didn't exist. Until one day I, I woke up and I was like, you didn't lose him. If he was willing to drop you because things just weren't, you know, the way he thought they should be, the way he wanted, then that wasn't the motherfucker for you. I need somebody who knows what the storm looks like, who looks at me and goes, <laughs> you ready, bitch? Come on. Because if you go into it all doom and gloom and whatever, I'm going to go into doom and gloom and we're not going to get very far. But if you're like smile on the face, like mm, we can make this fun. I'm like, oh yeah, we can. Like, because I'm very mischievous. I am very playful, but I'm very vindictive. So you marry those three things together and oh, we're going to have buckets of fun. But with the purpose, you know, and that's, that's what I avoided. I avoided anybody who had any value. So what did that leave me with? It left me with the narcissists and the abusers and the, you know, guys who they were happy with just coming by, having sex and me telling them, get the fuck out. They didn't want to be men. They just wanted to have that hedonistic kind of experience. And I let them pretend to be men while they were here. I adopted this whole persona that made them feel like they were men, but they weren't fucking these were men who were like they aspired to be betas okay and it's just but why did i let them stay why did i want them around because i knew they couldn't really hurt me like it would be an initial hurt but it wouldn't be lasting in the long run they wouldn't matter they were temporary and they were easily replaceable because there was another schmuck behind them waiting. But men of value, men who like had high moral value and who knew who they were. I avoided them like the plague because they terrified me. Don't don't be a high value man. And then. Like if I you're a loss, if I lose you, I don't want to deal with that. And there's quite a few men in my life that are like that now. And I have to step it up and I have to be better. I have to be more honest, not just with the world, but with myself. I have to face things that I could never face before because it was important in maintaining and growing those relationships. You know, if I wanted my kid to grow up into a man, I had to learn how to interact with a man who is worthy of admiration and respect. 
I don't give that kind of shit. You earn it. I will never respect you out the gate. In fact, I'm probably going to come at you disrespectful just to see what you're made of. Because the ones that are worth it, they don't respond from a place of like dejection and hurt and anger. They see my ass coming. And they go, bitch, I know what you're doing. All right, you do what you got to do. But I'm not going to put up with it for long. I'm not going to put up with that shit. And I will self-correct. It's not about power. It's not about any of that. It's about, okay, they know what they bring to the table. I know what I bring to the table. Who's going to be the one to break and show the other one that they're willing? Like, that's the fucking thing of it. And it's, it's always me that breaks first. And that's okay, because the woman I tend to believe is the softer partner. She should be the one to put herself out there first. Because men have been very, very badly treated these last couple decades, especially. Like, I'm going to have to throw myself on that sword so that when you fall, you have a soft place to land and I'm waiting for you. That doesn't mean make a jerk out of yourself, but it just means if you get to that point, sometimes you got to swallow your pride and be like, okay. Because you're the supporter. You know, you're, you're the strength behind the strength. Like, the two of you together would be a force that would take over the world. But somebody's got to admit they have vulnerabilities. And when both of you do, and you're going to, who's better at catching the other one in this scenario? In this particular way? People get stuck on, oh, you always have to catch me. No, sometimes you got to catch them. That's what a relationship is. It goes both ways. It's not, oh, cater to me, cater to me, cater to me. No, let me love you. You deserve it. Stop acting like you don't. Let me be there for you. Let me just, you know, shoulder to shoulder. We're good. If I have to stand in front of you, I will. If I have to quietly be behind you, I will. It doesn't make me less to offer you more. And sometimes you have to lead by example and do that so that they're like, okay, maybe you're not full of shit. Maybe you're not going to tear off that fucking mask, you know, a couple of years down the line and rip out what's left of my insides. You know, maybe that betrayal doesn't have to happen. Now, I could say that till the cows come home, but I can't make anybody believe it. I just got to live every day like I know it's true, and eventually you will too. And that's the way I need you to live your life. You know, I need people in my life who are not going to blow hot and cold all the time, who are not consistent, who are not tuned into me as a person 
you know, I don't need constant misinterpretations of my words or my actions. I don't need somebody constantly thinking that I'm up to something. Somebody who's constantly looking for patterns. Like, it's so stupid. It makes me really, really angry that there are people out there who just, no matter who, how good you are to them, they have to fucking turn it around and play the victim. Because they know they're not worth anything but that. That's the only way they're going to achieve any kind of relationship with anybody. Because they're dead inside. They're empty. They're just a vessel of crap. And they know it. See, that's the scary part for them. They know it, and now they know you know it, too. I don't need those people. They don't mean shit to me. I need the people who fail, but admit it. I need the people who say, look, I have this whole past and I don't like it and I don't like who I was, but, you know, I don't, I made a lot of mistakes. I fucked up. I was not good. But I'm trying. And, you know, if, if you are in my life or whatever, you make me want to be better. You make me smile. You know what that does to me when somebody laughs? Like when they, <laughs> when I do or say something and they laugh till they cry, that's everything to me because you need that. You don't laugh that kind of like hard way unless you cry just as easily that way. Those are people who are deep in their emotions. They're willing to let themselves laugh because they're willing to let themselves cry. That's healing. That's coping with things. That's learning to adapt. But then there are people who just, they mask everything. I did that for a long time. You know, just slap a Band-Aid on it and you'll be fine. You'll be fine. Self-delusion. That's a big thing. And I was teaching my kids to do that that became unacceptable to me. One thing you'll learn when I say, oh, that's unacceptable. I mean, that is unfucking acceptable and I'm not putting up with it. We're going to change this shit right now. I very rarely use that word lightly. That's why in school, when the kids would be like, they do something, I'd be like, you know what? You need to do this. You did this. That was completely unacceptable. Okay, Miss Michelle. Like, it was like, because they knew that was it. You, you pushed me to the end. We're not doing that. And now you need to have a think. Go over there. Draw a picture about it, whatever. I don't care. But get it in your head. Get it out. And we're going to deal with this. Let's go. Because the alternative or the outcome is unacceptable. I got no problem pushing people. But those people that I push, they want to be pushed. 
I won't do more for you than you need me or ask me to do. You might not know you asked me to do it. But like I said, with these kids, I watch them. You think I'm different with any of you? No, I watch all of you. Because I have to know what you need. I have to know my role in it and I have to plan. I can be spontaneous, you know, spontaneous. Like spontaneity is a big thing for me, but that's more like, you know, for other people, for me to be spontaneous for other people. Like in my life, I don't, I don't do spontaneous that often anymore because it always blows up in my face. <laughs> but it's like, whatever. Um, so I was more reluctant to meet somebody of value and I explained why. I was more insecure in all my personal relationships because I no longer saw anything of value in me either. I just figured, you know, nobody wants to be around me. What do I, what could I possibly do for them? I, everybody tells me I'm so angry and I'm so this and I'm so that. I was insecure because I listened to other people's fucking opinions. I know how I am. I know why I am the way I am. The fact that you don't like it, that's not my problem. That's not a me problem. That's a you problem. You think I'm too much? Again, that's a you problem because there are people who will be able to deal with me fucking easily. And I'm not talking to just men. I'm talking to women too. Like you can't handle me because you can't handle me. Got nothing to do with me. It's got to do with the fact that you aren't enough. You don't have the strength. And you know it. But rather than hold yourself accountable and fix it, you'd rather push that blame on me and paint me as whatever. And this is a common theme throughout my life. Fuck that. Nope. I'm still insecure in personal relationships and that's not going to change until I'm taught differently. And I have to be taught through experience. Words don't mean shit. You know, it's not what you say, it's what you do. <sighs> the more insecure I was, the more tenuous my connections were. The weaker my connections were to people here made it really, really easy to check out. It made that option very attractive. So tempting. I'd done it before and there was no consequence once I did it. Consequences when I, you know, they undid it and it was, you know, okay, like, I guess I got to deal with this. But did I? I don't know that I dealt with any of that stuff for like years, if ever. But not having connections to people made it a lot easier for me to just walk away from the mortal coil. Fuck it. There's nobody in my life worth this shit including me. I just figured the 
everything would be fine for everybody else because what the fuck was I? I didn't lend anything good to people's lives. I was just going day to day. Now, now I get up with a purpose. I get up with ideas fully formed in my head for what I have to do that day. That's what I mean when like my mother asked me, she was like, how do you come up with like these different topics? I said, honestly, a lot of it is just kind of like divine inspiration. Oh, what do you mean? You saying God told you in a way? I mean, it's it's a higher power. It's higher than me. But it's something that it's it appears to me, you know, almost like a vision, the same way I used to decorate the stages or whatever. I would stand there and look at the blank stage, like just look at an empty stage and I'd let my eyes unfocus. I'd relax back into like this weird little subspace. And it would just blossom in front of my eyes. And in my head, I could see everything happening. I could see this over there, that over there, that over there, that over there. And I could see it come together. And it would just, it was almost like, like if somebody took a painting and put it up there and it's a busy, 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 so busy painting <laughs> and slowly reverse painted and then started again and then reverse painted again. And then we'll go back. And that's what the vision would be. It would be, okay, no, that's not going to work. Oh, what if, all right. So this is what I want. And I do this and that's what I would do. But that was with art and everything. I didn't know how to do that with people. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Um, I feel better about today's thing. I talked a lot more than I thought I was going to. Um, and I'm going to go over chat, which is probably going to be really confusing and long, but you know, it is what it is. Um, I did want to bring up, there was a couple of things I put on paper so I wouldn't forget when it comes to like the education. There's something called early intervention for kids. So if you have a one-year-old or a two-year-old who's, you can tell that there's issues. You can tell that something is going to be necessary down the road, but you don't have the resources. You don't have the knowledge. You can reach out to your local board of education. You could reach out to your local child study team. And you could say, listen, you can, you could listen, like you could, there's all sorts of different departments and places that you could reach out and you tell them, listen, you know, I, I don't have any of this. I have a newborn or I have a one-year-old, I have a two-year-old. And I suspect that there might be a learning disability or a behavioral issue. Or maybe they're, they're not, even as babies, they're not making eye contact or whatever. Like you can just tell something's wrong and you would like help so that when they start school and you're not starting school in kindergarten, you're starting school in pre-K because you got to get them in to get those services as soon as possible. I want somebody to help. I need help. And you can actually get somebody to meet with you and your kid and take you to appointments. And, you know, they can call. If you don't know what to do, they know what to do. 
And if they don't, they know how to figure out what to do and find out who to talk to. For that, you need professionals. For that, you need, and I'm not talking about somebody that, that you have to hire. If you have a friend that's been through it, that's a resource. Tap that resource. Hello, bitch, I need help. That's it. You have to put the need out there if you're going to get a response. Nobody's going to help you if they don't need, know you need help. You know, if they don't know what you're looking for. And they're sure as shit not going to get involved if they're not certain that they have an answer for you. Because nobody wants to make it worse. Um, so that's, that's a really good one. And early intervention, one of the main benefits that I found, they're really good for establishing the beginning of the paper trail. At some point in your child's educational journey, in their physical journey, psychological journey, medical journey, whatever, they're going to need paperwork. Get on it from the very beginning. Keep that shit straight. And early intervention is a really good way to start a paper trail to show if, God forbid, anybody ever calls you on the carpet for your parenting, you could be like, no, 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 no. We go all the way back to this. I've been looking for help. It's not my fault. You dropped the ball. I've called you such and such amount of times. I've sent you these emails. I have fucking files on every fucking caseworker my daughter or son has had. On every principal, everything. I have buku fucking paper. Which is why nobody fucks with me. Because they know they dropped the ball. That's how my son went to a special school for $85,000 a year. Out of the district pocket. Because y'all fucked him up. So you're going to fix this. Or you're going to take care of, you know, creating the best scenario until I can take care of it. Because I'm going to be working on this shit full fucking steam. Full steam ahead. Let's go. But I need somebody to like keep him busy for now. And you know what? You earned it. Come on. Step up. I don't care you don't like it. I don't care. It's a hassle for you. Aw. Cry into your fucking coffee and get on the computer and start writing a new IEP. Because we're about to have a meeting. They always hated my IEP meetings. Because I just walk in there like, don't even start. This is how it's going to be. I told you, I had it written into the IEP. Do not call me unless Connor is broken, bleeding, or dead. Because they called me for everything. The first person that read that, like the eyebrows went up, she looked at me and I was like, you read that, right? Don't aggravate me all day long. I have a job to do same as you. You do your job. Let me do mine. If he's not like broken, bleeding or dead or killing someone, I don't want to hear about it. I'm not here to make your fucking life easier. You have a job to do. It's called work, bitch. Work. It's not called easy. They're not paying you because it's a breeze. They're paying you because it's work that supposedly you know how to do. So how about you go do it? Because if you want me to do your job, you better be handing me your motherfucking paycheck. Let me tell you. Mm -mm. it takes a village it does it's just 
every village has an idiot. And the villages that I've been in have buku idiots. You got to find the wizened old, you know, swami. I mean, you don't have to. It's just an idea. Uh, this says, I learn as I go. And I do. Every day, I learn as I go. I've learned to cut myself some slack. If I'm too hard on myself, what do you think that's telling my kids? That there's no way in the world they can ever make a mistake because then they have to like self-flagellate. Nobody's going to love them and they're going to die alone because they fucked up once. Like, because that's my catastrophic thinking. Oh my God. I said something and he snapped a little bit and now he's mad. And well, that's the end of that friendship. And that's, I'm just going to walk away before he walks away. And that has always been my past. Putting the cart before the horse, like, Okay, things are not 100% perfect. So before you lose before you leave me, I'm going to leave you. Cuz I didn't have the heart to oh I didn't have the heart to be um I love you, hun, but I'm in the middle of something. <laughs> I didn't have the heart to to fight me it was just all right you're gonna hurt me gotta run away gotta run away gotta run away that's what i did i try not to do that i've learned to cut myself some slack everybody benefits if i cut myself some slack i've learned that my struggle can help others so i shouldn't be ashamed of it my phone is going nutty and i don't know why um it's still going, right? Yeah, it's still, the timer's still going. Did YouTube, like, log me out? Why is everybody calling me now? Uh, no, it's still going. What the hell? Stream health is excellent. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. So I'm just, I told you, I'm not looking at chat. I have chat disabled, like, well, not disabled. I have it. So that it's not showing on my screen because y'all are distracting as fuck. <laughs> Some of the things you can do is um, there are different levels of like education. So you have different rights based on who's talking. Your best bet is to get um, get the pamphlet or get the rundown from the Federal Department of Education as to what parental and student rights are out there to be had that they can't take away. They can't step all over. They can't circumnavigate. You know, like, you have to take care of that first, I think. That's where I started. And then it was a state-by-state basis. Because don't forget, I moved around quite a bit. So it was state-by-state. Jersey has a very different... um, set of rights than Kansas because they have a different education system. You know, when I was in Kansas, they didn't really believe in a special ed department. They believed in putting all the kids together no matter what. That's fucking stupid, but that's what they did. It created a lot of problems and it stomped on a lot of my daughter's rights and a lot of my rights. 
And I dealt with that. And then I came home and I had to deal with it again here because it was different. But here, like I learned from them that every state has basically a booklet that you can ask for that has all your parental rights and all your kids' rights. And they have another version for special needs. Because, yes, you have to be given a manual for special needs because it's so intricate and they will fucking skip shit if you don't know about it. It's all about what you know. So educate yourself. That is the biggest thing I can tell you. Before you have to deal with these vultures, educate yourself. You know, know your rights, know your kids' rights know who to talk to, know who to have as an ally, know who you know you're going to have problems with, like all of that. Um, Department of Developmental you know, Disabilities, the DDD, they're there for your help, you know, to help you. There are different clubs out there that are willing to help. Like I went to the Kiwanis Club because they were local. There's Knights of Columbus. They have also the Elks Lodges. These are things that we think of them as, oh, they're gentlemen's clubs and blah, blah, blah. Like they're just a bunch of guys drinking whiskey and smoking. No, they, they do have a purpose. Yeah, they, sometimes they need to be reminded that they have a purpose, but they were established for, you know, fulfilling a need in communities. They weren't meant to be hangouts. They turned into that in the last century, but no, like you can go to them and say, hey, remember your, you know, the whole reason you guys were established? I need that kind of help. Can you help me? Can you point me in the direction where I can get help? So. My main thing here is it says question everything. They're your kids. You know, it's your life your kids, your present, your future. You need to deal with that. You need to take control of it. Um, I had to get my head to a place where I could, I could differentiate between who needed what. So like, I was afraid, but I didn't show my kids I was afraid. I showed them that I was super tough. That led them to believe that they could never fuck up or they'd disappoint me. Nothing could be further than the truth from the truth. Like they could never disappoint me. I would never be able to stop loving my kids. And I needed to communicate that more. And I do now. Like they get that I'm there for them all the time, but they also get that I got to take care of me too now. Because they're not going to always be with me. You know, they're going to get lives of their own. I'm just going to like wither away by myself. Nah. <laughs> no, no. No, no. Flag on the play. Like, I don't like that. I don't like that scenario. So I have to tend to all the, all of the garden, not just the part that I think is the most vulnerable to the elements. I got to spread that love around to the right people. I don't, I can't just give it to the undeserving 
That's God's job. That's not my job. God is infinitely loving and forgiving. I am not God. Not by any stretch. But I, I can do what I can do. I can be 100% authentically me. I can do my best. And I can grow my tribe. My tribe. Because that's what's important to me. Growing my tribe. Not my shows. Not my bank account. Not my channel. My tribe. My people. And that's what I'm going to do. So I hope that helps you. As far as education and everything. All of these things factor in. It's a journey. No matter how hard it gets, you can correct the path. You can. There, there's nothing you can't do until you tell yourself you can't do it. And I'm not, don't go and be an asshole about it. Be like, oh, can I fly? I don't know. Can you? I don't know. I know you could be a pain in my ass with bullshit, but how about we like grow up and just, you know, want to improve. When people come at you with that sarcastic bullshit, they don't want to help themselves. They just want to make you look stupid. Let them go be stupid on their own. You don't have to entertain people like that. There's no, there's no point to it. All right, I'm going to check these things and make sure there's no emergency. There's a whole lot of... Okay. Uh, all right, so I know I have something nice waiting for me from Caitlin. I'm not going to address that yet. I didn't look at it. All I said was, I hope you love it. And I was like, okay, so I'm not looking at it until I'm done. Because I'll probably need it. All right, chat, we ready? Because I'm almost done. I was supposed to let you go like at nine o'clock. And it didn't happen. <laughs> so let's go back. Caitlin. Oh, no, not the McDonald's bowl pit. Yes. She said so gross. Yes. Uh, I was always afraid of the McDonald's bowl pit. Yes. <laughs> Just, it was so bad. When they emptied that out years later, they found um, like syringes, dirty diapers, like feces. They found like old ass food, maggots, and like, oh my God, everything you could think of. There was piss and shit and puke, and there were drugs down there. They're all oh, just, and all I could think was, oh, great. And my kid was just jumping in it. And that's why that happened. Can I prove it? No. Same way I can't prove, though. When you have more than, oh, I don't know, a dozen coincidences, it's no longer a possibility. It's it's a definite. It's just not something I have, you know, empirical data to prove. Same for this. It's something you know, but, you know, you you can't prove it. Um, Caitlin said, Shelly, you're the strongest person. I know. Let's just go through these. All right. Shelly, you're the strongest person. I know you're such a good mom. Thank you, honey. I appreciate that. I do appreciate a genuine 
um, compliment. Too many people are just like, oh my God, they, they put it on like, <laughs> it's just too much. That's what I like. I like the pat on the head and it's okay, mama. You're doing good. I'm like, thank you. Good God. Cause I want to rest a little bit. Um, she said, what the, did you hit him? Did I hit who? Miguel? No. I mean, well, a couple times throughout our relationship, but usually he raised his hand first. Uh, that nurse, like I said, I got even with that nurse by letting the baby just cover her and puke. Uh, I have a story. Hi. I know you're probably gone by now, but hi. <laughs> How you doing, yum? You're my yummy boy. Grammy, what is happiness? I'm going to be brutally honest. If you're comparing yourself to the other woman and everything is the same except for your anger, then it needs to be addressed. Anger stemmed from unresolved trauma. Yep. And the pain that wasn't held. I agree. There's a lot of things I had to work on. Like a lot. Because I didn't want to be that shrew. You know, I wanted... I wanted a family, but I, could, I couldn't concentrate on that. Um... Hey, Grimsmore, happy Thursday. That the depot shot effed my body up pretty sure forever. Men don't leave for random reasons. No, he didn't leave for a random reason. He left because we were all convinced that I was going to have babies that died. You know, how do you face that when you want a big family? You know, he didn't have any kids before me. You know, I had Katie. So, I mean, I had a kid right there. He, and he loved her. He didn't want her to die either. Uh, do, do, do. Typically, people will be on their best behavior, try to act a certain way to get a partner. That only leads to eventual failure. Being your true self is the best thing you could do. And again, that's true. But like back then, I was what, 22? What the fuck did I know? Um, Caitlin said, see you soon, rabbit. I have a story. Hey, you. Okay, have a good day, Rabbit. Jeez, Rabbit, they just... You're like, okay, I gotta go. And they're like, no, don't leave. You get that feeling of everybody like, don't leave, Rabbit. Don't worry, she's in like 19,000 chats. I'm always thrilled when I find her here because people, unfortunately, we were really nice about, oh, she's the goat. And other people figured that shit out and they were all trying to poach her and it's pissing me off. I'm kidding, Rabbit. You go where it makes you happy. I love you no matter what. And you said, maybe men like you, Grim, but there are some screwed up people out there. My current husband would never, but he is a typical man. A true narcissist or sociopath will and then come back for seconds. Uh, Grim said, don't try to make someone happy. Happiness is an ethereal concept that is never, that has not there, there. I get what you're saying, but it's not coming out right. Uh, a better option is to be content. <laughs> Contentment, that, all right, that's the word that daddy always used. Like if someone said, you're happy, right? He's like, I'm content. And he was very happy in that statement. Um, society's brainwashed us that happiness is required to be a good person. Humans are creatures of habit. A good relationships involve working together in an open and honest way, free of judgment. 
if you can be brutally honest or brutally open with with your oh with your significant other rather than lying to I don't know, Grimmy. I'm, I'm having a hard time following you, but it, it feels like you just, you're determined to say it's the woman. And for once, I know that it wasn't. I admitted to everything I did wrong, but when it comes to like the big decisions and we're supposed to go forward together and you turn around and turn into a fucking monster out of your face, there's a problem there. You can't just automatically say, oh, well, the, the woman is at fault, because that's what that feels like. And I know that's not what you're saying, but that's the way it's being perceived. And I know that you're you're a big thinker. Like you, but I don't always understand what you're saying. <laughs> Come be honest. Like, because sometimes it's, my thoughts get in, in, they intersect with what you're saying and I, I lose the message. And I, I totally admit that's on me. But, you know, you, you tend to keep, I don't know if it's just that when I'm around for it, but you tend to keep explaining until eventually the point lands. You know, so I do appreciate that about you. You don't just go, oh, fuck it, you'll never understand and walk away. You keep going. And I do appreciate that. Um, in your MERS, I avoid them at all costs. Now, I used to take my daughter when she was younger for everything. My, hus my son hasn't been in two years. Jacob, I'm here, but I'm going to hide till I wake up a bit more. Okay. Because I haven't looked at chat in four hours or three hours. Ah, uh, Grimmy, you deserve better. How dare he? If so, those are unhealthy people. A healthy person will tell you that you're will tell you that you are with them for a reason if someone tells you negative things about your mate they will need to be removed <laughs> i don't know Groove. the way you say that makes me nervous <laughs> they will need to be removed i will remove them that's the way I heard it. I heard it very Terminator. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, sorry, Grimmy. I need to laugh. Um, I have to. It's by now you should know me. You know it's just what I need. Um, Jacob said it's a morning, and you haven't decided if it's good yet. Okay, last you're here, lady. Awesome. I'm here catching up on double speed. Yeah, well. <laughs> Good luck, because it's not like I was talking in the chat anyway. Uh, Inumers, I went through that this morning, Jacob. I thought I was getting koofy, uh, which I avoided this entire time. Same, samesies. Never had it, which makes me think it doesn't really exist. Uh, I'm kidding, kidding in Minecraft. But I think it's allergies. Ugh. Take some of that good Sudafed and Claritin. Be careful because this is like the time of year where sinus infections start, but they kind of like, they mimic other things. And then by the time you realize it's a sinus infection, your whole fucking forehead is like blown up. I had a cousin like that. Oh my God. It was, I was like, how did you not know? She was like, it just felt like allergies. I didn't really, I was busy. I wasn't paying attention. Then all of a sudden I woke up one day and it looked like somebody had hit me in the forehead with a brick. And I was just like, okay. 
and she couldn't talk. She had anything. She had to get surgery. Oh, it was a whole thing. So just be careful. Be nice to your sinuses. As I light up the cigarette so I can fill them with smoke and tar and whatever. Whatever. Uh, Jacob, it's that time of year for us when the plants decide, you know what? Time to try to kill all the people. Kill all the humans. We are the plants. We will rise up. Eat, eat the plants, eat the bugs. You like the bugs, they're good. My scalp and fingers are tingly, though. I just hope I don't start smelling color. <laughs> oh, you're trying to kill me. I'm dizzy. I laugh so hard. Oh my god, I can't feel my legs. That usually only happens in one scenario. I literally laughed and coughed so hard that I can't feel my legs. What the fuck? Alrighty. Uh, Grimmy said progressive supranuclear palsy. No, she didn't have any kind of palsy. She didn't have muscular dystrophy. She didn't have um, multiple cirrhosis. She didn't have any of the shit that they were throwing at me for like years. And it was like, oh, she's this. She's going to die. That She's this. She's going to die. That she's this. She's going to die. She's this. She's going to die. When people keep telling you that, you're like, why do I get up in the morning? Like, why? Why? There's nothing out there that I could possibly face that would make that okay. You gotta give me a minute. <laughs> See, I held it together a lot for this stream. <laughs> But then I can't. I hit the wall. Let's power through, shall we? Um, that reminds me of a coffee sponsor YouTuber I watch. Drink MAOB responsibly. It'll make you smell the color nine. <laughs> uh, I just hope I didn't medicate all the symptoms away. And it really is like, you know, I always I'm always like not for nothing um see i, I can't or can't read chat and have a conversation when i'm this emotional um half the time i'm like i'll ask my kids all the time i'm like what am i supposed to smell if i'm having a stroke i'm asking for a friend like is it popcorn is it like burnt cheese what is it because I just, I need to know. Because I, I need to know the early warning signs so I can get the fuck out. Because y'all are never going to help me. Like, you don't even want to freaking bring me water, let alone bring me to a hospital. It's like, whatever. Uh, Shelly, are these things common? Grimmy. Uh, slow eye movements, trouble looking up or down, trouble controlling eyelids, involuntary closing the eyes, decreased blinking, or difficulty opening the eyes, tendency to move the head, rather than just the eyes to look in different directions. I mean, these are not typical things, but it depends on the person's history too. They just might not be, you know, like an overly 
physical person. They be they might be more of like a silent observationist, like somebody who has to be still in order to like take other things in. But if there's problems with like eye movement or eye focus, that's usually something neurological and should be looked into. And if it turns out to be nothing, wouldn't you rather know it's nothing? You know, just get it checked out. Never put all your eggs in whatever basket they're handing you. Do your research. Do all the due diligence. Look into it. Pull up stories from people who have the same things. And you'll find out you're going to get more information from people who have dealt with the same things than you will from any medical journal, from any doctor's mouth, because nothing can replace experience. Doctors don't pay attention to the minutia. People will tell you, well, you know what? It started, it started with just, I just had a hard time doing this one little thing. You know, you could chalk it up to age or whatever, but it didn't feel that way to me. It felt unnatural. And it was worrying. So I looked into it and then it moved on to like all this. Hi, Slap. I know I'm saying it like you guys are here. I'm hoping you go back and realize that I was talking to you. Slap Murphy, what's up? Um, it's always better, I think, to know than to not know, Grimmy. Grimmy said, has anyone ever wondered if you're not living in your element? What are you talking about? Uh, morning, T-Rex. Hello. Uh, Castro? Savage. What's up? T-Rex slap, T-Rex slap. Jacob, Jacob Pete's. Ain't shit, brother, just trying to get out of the house for work. Not in any hurry, though. Americans with Disability Act can be a beautiful thing, Shelly. It can if people know about it. But they lie. These people in education fucking lie. They don't want you to have an IEP. They want you to have a 504. So if the teacher goes out of compliance or they go out of compliance, nobody gives a shit. They're just going to say, well, it's really just a guideline. If it's an IEP, you can crack that whip every fucking time. Listen, we agreed on that. You see that signature right there? That's your signature. You legally agreed to carry this out. Fuck you. Do it. And never, ever, 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 ever go without a copy of that IEP signed. Don't. I don't want one that has no signatures. Fuck you. Type that shit up because most likely they're putting it in on their laptop as the meeting's going on. I want a rough draft. I want everybody to sign it because they're not allowed to leave that meeting until they have everything like settled. And you need to like sign things and a teacher has to sign, an admin has to sign, a caseworker has to sign. You have to have a like somebody with a psychological background. Like you have to have somebody with social work background. All these different things are necessary before that meeting ends. So make sure that you get that shit on paper. I'm, don't say, oh, email it to me. No, I want a paper motherfucking copy in my hand before I leave, or I'm going to be here a very long time. Well, it's just rudimentary. Then you print me out a rudimentary copy, all of you sign it, or I'm not fucking moving. Because they can slip shit in there and they will. 
They'll, oh, it didn't print correctly. I don't know why that's not there. No, you get that shit printed and then you sit there. You say it's going to take me 10 minutes. Teachers can go back to their classrooms, but you're going to sit here with me. I don't care you got another meeting. You should have cleared the day. I told you this was like important. I don't care that you have an appointment. That's a you problem, not a me problem. We're settling this because you're not leaving the room till it's done. Sometimes you got to be like, fuck you, like the whole book of where fuck you, pay me. It's the same thing with an IEP. Fuck you, give it to me, and we're going to go over it right now because you don't get to get off on a technicality. Attention to detail in an IEP is your best fucking ally. Uh, and don't let them explain things away or tell you, oh, no, that's not something we need to hear. That's just standard. No, see, now I need you to explain it to me. Like, I'm stupid. Go ahead. Go ahead. Explain it away. Watch them trip over their own fucking tongue. I love to tell people, oh, that's, it absolutely has to happen. Why? Well, because that's the way it's done. But Why? Well, that's policy. Oh, it's policy now. Where? What do you mean? If it's policy, it's written down. You don't just have cloud policies. You have agreed upon legally standing policies. Where is it? Show it to me. Oh, well, I don't have a copy. I'll wait. Never, never let them. Don't ever give them an inch. Every time they shoot you a bullshit excuse, you just return. Boom. My point, let's go. Keep the game going. I'm going to keep you hopping until you're honest with me. I'm going to get to the bottom of this bitch one way or another. I got the stamina. Do you? I got something to fight for. Do you? Who do you think wants it more? Your paycheck or my kid? Which is more important? You're not going to go to war for your little paycheck. I'm going to go to war for my kid. And that's the kind of attitude you have to have. Be sweet until it's time to not be sweet. You know, when they say, oh, you know, I, you don't understand, but it, it's okay. Just trust me. Don't trust a fucking soul. When it comes to that kind of thing, no. Don't do it. Don't give up that control because you will never get it back. And I'm not talking about inside a family. I'm talking about strangers outside, like these quote-unquote professionals. They don't have your kid's best interest at heart all the time. They're always going to look out for themselves first. And if your kid has to, you know, take the hit, oh, well, you know, they could just change jobs. Now you're stuck with the consequences of their action for a very long time. Boom, 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 boom. Jacob said, just another reason the DOE should be abolished. I don't know that it should be abolished, but they definitely need to, um, to streamline it and take away a lot of what they get to cover. Like, there should be things that are absolutely uniform. Disabled rights? Yes, that should be uniform across the country. Fuck that. It doesn't matter. Parochial school, charter school, public school, private school. 
doesn't matter. Those rights should be set in stone. Because those kids don't know the difference if you're fucking with them. And a lot of parents don't either. Because let's face it, a lot of the parents that I've met of special needs kids were special needs kids. So they already are going into this not knowing. And they know the social worker, so that's my friend. No, it's not. That's not your friend. I have watched these bitches fuck over people left and right, including me. They tell me, oh, well, you need to do Don't talk to me like I'm a fucking school employee. You talk to me like I'm a parent. Because if I sue your ass, I'm going to sue you like a parent. Trust me. Fuck this job. I got two kids. I can get a job anywhere. Shit, I can have your job. That's what really pisses them off. When I'm like, keep fucking with me, and I'm going to go back for another degree and come back and take your job. Because you know that I can. Uh, Slab said, always remember, the government doesn't hire on merit and doesn't pay top rate. Those who make for the worst possible employees. Yeah, except here they do get top rate. But it's a popularity contest. It's who comes in and... Oh, I can't wait to work with you. I oh, I just followed your whole career, and I just I have so much to learn from you. No, they don't. You're not even working in the same goddamn departments. How are you learning? But that ass kissing is top fucking notch. Let me tell you, <clears throat> they love that shit. And here I come walking, in and I'm like, you ain't shit. <laughs> Shelly, don't you want it? No. Oh, but that teacher, they said, no, I've known that teacher for the last, like, 15 years. They, they're crap. Maybe when they started out, now they're a paycheck teacher. I don't deal with paycheck teachers. Teaching's a calling. If you're not feeling the calling, then i got no time for you. Which is why all my teacher friends that I'm close with, they're a little crazy because, you know, they take that shit home with them. It's always on their mind. They're always looking out for the kids in their classes, more so than any of the admins, and they get in trouble for it. Ah, uh, T-Rex, that talking trash and truth. Would you say he wants to, he wants to win reality? Okay, I know where you're going with it. I'm just not entirely sure what made you go there, but okay, keep on winning. Everybody, you know, he says that, and y'all never hear me like mumble in the. <laughs> I think that's a good thing, because he's like, "Keep on winning," and I'm like, "I'm trying, but I need to use two hands." Would you say he wants to win reality? But we need to pay the teachers more. Re, that's the thing. It's not about the teachers. It's really not. They don't get to make any of the decisions. I've had teachers in IEP meetings say look you know they, they're having this problem in behavior they're having this problem in learning they're having this problem in socializing i think we need to and as soon as they start going into like the helpful things that could be done somebody who doesn't want to be in charge of doing that will pipe up and say oh no 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 they're fine they tested this they tested this they tested this so they're fine they don't even need the iep what 
<laughs> you're just like what they did that to my son where they were like oh we tested him and he tested out of the iep i said what you tested out of was my fucking patience because i'm about to call a lawyer oh but we test did you ask me if you could test him well no but that's our job no it's not it is not your job to test my child not without my permission what did you test him in Oh, well, it's very, very, um, like it's intricate and it's, and they'll throw out like a certain number of like letters or whatever to make it sound legitimate. And I'm like, oh, I've never heard of that. And if I've never heard of it, I guess I have to look into it. Let me get my phone. Well, no, it's just, you know, we didn't give the whole to, oh, now you didn't give the whole test. So are you going to take them out of the whole IEP? Fuck you and your games. Like, <laughs> this is what I want. This is what's there because I go in there with the previous IEP all highlighted and everything. I am nothing if not fucking anal retentive when it comes to business. And my child is my business. I have invested every moment since I had him into him, into her. You be damn real. I'm going to look out for my fucking investment and make sure it can thrive. You ain't fucking me over. You are not going to. You're just not gonna damage my business they're my business and sometimes you got to look at it that way you got to take the emotion out and go no 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 no. like you got to be shrewd because these people are slick they have been doing this a long time you are not their first rodeo but what you got to do is you got to be the one that fucking sends them flying they didn't see you coming which is why I like to let people underestimate me. Even the people I worked with, I would dumb it down around them and be all, you know, like all slang and whatever and innuendos and, you know, dirty like talk and cursing and whatever. And they'd be like, oh, we could do whatever. And then they would meet me at that table. And they would meet the me that went and got a whole bunch of degrees for other people. So I got a lot of knowledge, bitch. They get to meet the me that is like, mm, no, see, you function down here. I'm up here. Level up or I'm not dealing with you. I'll go above your head. I bring all the vocabulary words. I am a walking SAT. <laughs> it's just, And it intimidates the shit out of them because that's what they try to do to me. So I just flip it on them. Only theirs is temporary. I can continue talking like that forever. Go ahead. Underestimate me. See where it gets you. Uh, Mimsy. Jacob said, tell us how you really feel. Uh, <laughs> Mimsy, oh, good day. Shelly, didn't know you were on. Thanks for being here. Oh, honey. Thank you guys for tuning in and listening. And I really hope it helps like anybody who's having a problem with like education or anything. You have so much power that they don't want you to know you have. These are your kids. Nobody gets to gets to do anything to them without your say so. And if they do rain down hellfire on those fuckers. What? Oh, Jesus. Oh, fuck my life. I'm going to have to call them back. That would be the doctor's appointment that I missed. Son of a bitch. It's telehealth anyway. He'll just, he'll do it this afternoon. 
that was what one of my messages was this morning. We have switched your appointment to telehealth. Thank you for telling me a half an hour before I was supposed to be there. Thank God I was still here. Um, a lot of people forget the freedom of association part of 1A. Okay. Uh, hey, Shelly, Wolfkinder, how are you, honey? Tapping into the collective consciousness. All right. Uh, I just sent a few DMs in Discord. My PB. <laughs> wow, you all like were really quiet while I was talking. I didn't. It jumps for like an hour where none of you say a word. And I know people were here. Uh, Caitlin. Hey, Wolfkinder. Wolfkinder. Hey, Caitlin. Y'all are just too cute. I, I really do enjoy watching you say hello to one another because it's hilarious the way you do it. You're like, hey, all. And then everybody says hello to you. And I, I can always tell who's going to do it and who's not going to do it. Caitlin's just as guilty as I am of doing it. Of after we say, hey, y'all, and then y'all like come in and say hello to us individually. We're like, okay, now I got to say hello individually. And you got to like, hi, 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 hi. Because everybody deserves their own like oh my god i'm so happy to see you kind of feel i like that i like doing that for people i don't want anybody to walk in here and be like oh nobody's happy to see me i'm always happy to see you guys mike cohagen what's up the number one limit on people is themselves absolutely i don't believe in coincidences anymore i mean i do believe they exist i just don't believe they exist in my life because it doesn't seem to be the case uh, the hot was for the, the hot was for the doctor that said she would die at six. Oh, the, oh, you mean the hate or the hot? I don't know what the hot was for. I get where you're going, but the language, the hit, there we go. <laughs> oh God, I'm dying. Um, the hit was for the doctor that said she would die at six. Like I said, they gave me all different ages. All of them. They were all convinced she's she's going to die. She's going to die. She's going to die. She's going to die. How? Why? What? Tell me what to do. Like, I would have literally been like, okay, is it her legs? Do, what do we do? Is it her arms? Is it her heart? Is it her lungs? Is it her brain? What? Just give me a fucking direction. Give me something to focus on and fix. I can't fix what I don't know is broken. And I'm not talking about a spiritual thing. I mean an actual physical malady. Give me something to work with. Give me a focus. Don't just give me this blanket fucking statement and go, have a good day and leave. Because you just ripped out my heart and now I'm like, what do, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? I shut down. That's what I did. I shut down and... I just stopped caring about anybody. I never spoke about Katie's condition, which is why I cry so easily over it now. Um, I just decided to live my life alone because I wasn't going to let her get attached to somebody else for them to suddenly decide it was too hard. They couldn't deal with the emotional you know, pain that went with that. Well, if you couldn't deal with the emotional pain, did you come into this relationship thinking everything was going to be fucking, you know, magic pussy and glitter? Because it's not. 
there's puke involved. There's shit involved. There's groaning and there's, oh my God, my back. And there's, we don't have money to do that yet. And there's, there's hardships, there's highs, there's lows. You got to be willing to be there for all of it or stay the fuck out. Fuck off. Don't waste my goddamn time. That's what pisses me off. All these men that wasted my motherfucking time. You wasted my youth. How dare you? With your bullshit. And make me think it's me? Make me think it's my kid? Fuck you all. Like, I can't. Ooh. And yes, I do have that anger, and they deserve it. Like I said, I'm not the best person on the planet. I'm not remotely close. I fuck up way more than I succeed. But I own it, and I learn from it. And if I don't learn from it, I'm going to do it again. So it gives me more incentive to learn from it the second time. Teachers literally can be become millionaires if they manage money properly. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Teachers make buku fucking money. Allegra helps. Yes, Allegra is good for the, the sinuses and the hay fever and all that. Um, Jacob said, and by the way, hello, Elephant, my lovely Ellie. See, I would love to combine Elephant and Lady Autumn Sky, put them into one being and become that. Because I think I'd be invincible and hilarious. But that's not me. <laughs> I am who I am. I am who I am, and that's all that I am. I'm Papa the Sailor Man. All DOE does is fund bad policy, true, that incentivizes um, precisely what you've complained about today. Yep. Secrecy and discretion. Mm -hmm. That is not warranted or deserved. Yeah, they, everything, it's, oh, it's, under HIPAA, I can't say anything. No, I'm giving you permission to talk about it. Oh, but I can't. No, I just told you, you can, it's my information. <laughs> We're going to talk about it. Um, do, 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 do. All through finance, because they have no enforcement authority. Yep. Finance is an incentive, not enforcement, because remember this, schools will still collect local and state taxes. Yep, just my two cents, though. Maybe I'm crazy. No, you, that's money makes the world go round and never more than in the field of education. Wolfie said, just quietly listening. It's like waving across a crowded room. <laughs> Any doctor who gives someone an expiration date is an idiot. Yeah. Jacob, Jacob said, magic pussy. Listen, it's out there. Trust me, I know. But, yeah, like that's if you're coming into this relationship thinking that everything is going to be like glowy, glowy, good and gumdrops all fucking day, every day, you're delusional. You're never going to be happy and you're never going to find somebody to make you happy or be happy with you. So why don't you find somebody? You all go off and take those magic drugs together that keep you in that la 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 place. And leave the fucking rest of us to actually grow up and make something of our lives. And, you know, break these goddamn, you know, problems that are handed from generation to generation. And just seem to be getting worse. Because the more we know, the more you fucking try to pull. 
And I'm talking about professionals. That's what they do. Hey, Ellie, fun. I didn't see you slip into chat. See, they even look for each other. Oh, it's magic. Anyway, it is 1223. I need to make quite a few phone calls. If anybody has any questions, now's the time to hit me with them because this this was this was a lot. But this is why I did a mulligan because I Oh yeah, no, I, I saw Jacob. I I don't know if I said it out loud. I might have said it in my head, because you know, a lot going on. Uh you missed my comment about the DOE not being necessary due to 14A. Yeah, but I think you got the gist of why I think it's a waste of taxpayer dollars. No, absolutely, I get it. And the the Disabilities Act was a great strive forward, but we have so much more to go for because you need my thing is these are people like these are kids. Okay. Number one, kids can't look out for themselves in that regard. So we need to do it. You take a kid with special needs, they are extra work they really don't know what they need even you have to be their eyes their ears their voice you have to be that backbone that never bends and never breaks you got to be dorn basically but like that's what you have to do you have to be willing to be a warrior for the people who can't fight for themselves and what's funny to me about that is I am so bad at fighting for myself. But for them, there's no end to my energy. No, apparently, Snips, you irritated her. She threw you out of her room. <laughs> I guess she had the cats in there. And she opened the door. I was waiting for her to say something. All of a sudden, I see two cats, like, run the fuck out. And I was like, I guess she's done with them for the day. Uh, Ellie said, oh, Shelly, I'll take that as a compliment. Ladies said, oh, same. I mean, you ladies are great. I love all the ladies in chat. I do. Caitlin gives me like this sweetness that I really wish I had and I don't. Um, but you, you ladies, you, you keep me fighting, but with a smile on my face. Like, I don't have to be that you know, bull moose in a china shop. You know, it's just, I don't have to do that. Because I see that you don't do that. You live a certain way. You're you're outside of the traditional expectations by being more. You're not just different, you're more. And I admire that. You know, I have, I'm surrounded by phenomenal women. I mean, I have you guys, I have Caitlin, I have Rabbit. The list goes on and I don't want to mention anymore. I got Inya because I don't want to leave anybody out. I love you ladies. I got Amber and Iris and like everybody is so supportive and strong and you lead by example, but you also show your vulnerability, which is something else I need. You show your femininity, which is something else I need because I, I don't get to see a lot of that in real life. You know, so... I watch, I watch and I learn. I just don't, you know, tell you that I'm watching and learning. <laughs> and I learn from the boys too. I'm sorry, the men, the men. 
all I've learned from the boys, too, because we have no shortage of men children. But um, no, you all contribute to me getting better, which is why I show up here and go, okay, <laughs> it's time to rip open my my brain and just go, here's all the thoughts. Let's see what happens. Like, let's see what you take from this. And I hope I help. I do. Even if it's just to make you laugh. But I really hope that if you come across it, if you encounter a situation where this information can help, that at some point the information pops up in your head and you're just like, oh, you know, you just made me think of something I heard once. So let me tell you something. Because I want you to have that ammo, like that hidden weapon. You know, I want you to know. And I want you to thrive. I want your kids to thrive. I want your families to be stronger. That's what this world needs. I'm so tired of everybody being divided and fighting. And there's a reason that you got kids identifying as cats and shitting in a corner. You know, somewhere you done fucked up. Like, and nobody's willing to admit that they're the one that did it. Like, if you're the parent that fucked up, own it, change it. Tell your kid, I know I told you it was okay to be a cat, but guess what? You're not a fucking cat. You know, you're not a fucking cat. And if you were, I wouldn't be too thrilled with you. We got mice. You're going to go chase them? Go catch a mouse. That'll impress me. Pretending that you don't have to do your homework because I don't like it. No, that's, that's just you not wanting to do your homework. That's you manipulating me. Stop letting these kids manipulate you. Oh, my God. And stop letting teachers manipulate. Stop letting parents manipulate. Stop being manipulated. How about that? It doesn't matter. Somebody's always going to try to manipulate you. Don't fall for it. Go in with your eyes and ears open and your fucking mouth shut. And just watch them. Do not let people's words sway you and fool you. That's like, I, I said on Nick's stream last night, because he was saying something about something, and I, I was just about to fall asleep. And I like to listen to him as I go to sleep sometimes when he's saying something interesting. <laughs> and last night he was. It wasn't interesting enough to make me stay up past the YouTube side, but, you know, regardless, I typed something that I've been saying a lot lately, you know, they're like the thief who's not sorry he stole, but he's terribly, terribly sorry he's going to jail. You can't control the people that are trying to manipulate you. Somebody's always going to try to manipulate you because they're always looking out for themselves. They don't want to get called on the carpet for it. And they're only going to say they're sorry when they're caught. Which is why, and that's if then, that's why you need to be aware of how manipulatable you are. That's why observe. Don't listen to the bullshit. You know, because they're going to cover their asses no matter what. No matter who they are across all sorts of, like, areas of life. Online, in real life, at the fucking supermarket, somebody is going to try to get away with something because that's what people do. You just have to go into life going, okay, I'm not going to be bitter about it. But yeah, people, they look out for themselves. 
I'm not going to be like that, but all the time. I'm not going to be like that all the time. Put a caveat in because you got to be able to forgive yourself a little bit. And just say, look, um, I'm going to go into this and I know that somebody's going to come at me, but I'm smarter than that. And I don't need people in my life who just want to manipulate me. You know, figure out why they're trying to manipulate you. Are they scared? Is that the only way they know? Or are they malicious? It does make a difference. And then you go from there. But knee-jerk reactions don't really help anybody. And I've done that most of my life. I'm not the first one to admit it. I lash out. Or I shut down. Because it, it's hard to be vulnerable. It's hard to tell somebody, look, I, I don't entirely know what you're saying when you say this because one way hurts me and the other one doesn't and I don't know how you meant it. Don't lie to me. Like if it was meant this way and that's the part that hurts me, just explain it to me so I'm not hurt anymore. You know, let's work through it. Don't gloss over shit because you're afraid to talk about it. And I know coming from me, I'm going to ha- hear so much shit from Gary over that. But coming from me, it's, you know, like I said, Dr. Hill myself. I'm trying, I'm trying. Uh, Jacob, yes, but you kind of just made my point for me. ADA was legislation, not doing bullshit rule from a bullshit regulatory agency. We as parents or citizens or otherwise have relinquished so much power to the agencies. They cannot be held accountable. Bring the power back to the people's house. Make them vote on things that they can be held so that they can be held accountable. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, Elephant said, one of my boys was playing with the dog and was laying in his dog bed. (laughs) Girl. I already know where you're going. And I looked at him and said, you are not a dog. (laughs) He just gave me this thing. I got up and ran off to play. (laughs) You know, we used to call it imagination. And then they started with this identity bullshit. I used to teach this. Visualization, dramatization, actualization. Those were three different centers in my classes. If first you listen to the story, then I want you to visualize everything and imagine yourself in it. Okay, now you have to act it out. Now I need you to talk about it because is that something that can actually happen or was that like a fantasy? Was that pretend? Is it good to pretend? Absolutely. Is it good to pretend when you're supposed to be genuine? No. Because that's called lying. Hmm? And my kids all learn that. And then they took away the ability to do centers and I had to do everything the other teachers did. And let me tell you something, a lot of those teachers couldn't hold my fucking jack, okay? So... I'm not conceited, but I am a damn good teacher. And I don't ever want to do it again because they they ruin these kids. I can't undo what they do. 
Uh, elephant. Now they want twenty four seven imagination thinking. They're different species and gender. Yeah, like they got rid of critical thinking and imaginative play, and they say it's just imagination all the time. Oh, you don't have an imagination? Well, let me read to you from this book called "If I Was a Rainbow Child." Like, no, like that's what they do. Like, and I don't know. I pulled that that label out of my fucking ass or something i don't know but it just popped into my head like that's what they're teaching them they're teaching them hey guess what yeah if you can't come up with an identity let me read you this awesome book by that like this they them it her zebra person and they're gonna give you nine thousand ideas just today it's not really overwhelming just listen and we'll discuss it you could be any of these things and they give them all these different, you could identify as this, 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 this. And look, all these cool people that you look up to, they think this about themselves. They don't, they're non-binary and they're this and they're that. Why are you introducing words to kids when they don't know what the fucking word, like, I don't know, mm, duty, D-U-T-Y. They don't know what that means, but you want them to know what, what it is to pick their own gender. Tradition. They don't know how to spell it. They don't know what it means. Oh, because it means nothing to you. So you're going to teach them that non-traditional is what's important. How do they know what's non-traditional without knowing what's traditional? Because you removed traditional and only taught them non-traditional. And now that's normal to them. See, if I don't know that there's two ways of doing things, I only know one way. I only know one way. It's neither good or bad. It just is. It becomes part of every fucking day. If I knew there was an alternative, would I choose that? See, they don't give you the choice. They don't define traditional and non-traditional. They create this whole new thing. And that supersedes everything. It overshadows everything. They remove any previous definitions that you had that you were teaching these kids. There's no examples out there of good things. There's only examples of what they want you to become. Blue-haired, quote-unquote, women with beards and guts and boobies, but dick, and just in high heels wearing rosaries and goth makeup and half their head is shaved. And no, oh, you're, I'm a, I'm a they, them, and you're going to be a it. And oh, we're just going to call you mousy. Like, what? What fucking bizarro world did I wake up into? Because I don't like it. Take that shit back. I feel like knocking on God's door and be like, excuse me. I'd like to make a return. No refund necessary. Just take this shit. Like, because who introduced this into the world? Oh, how did it get in under the, under the door? It's like the ants that crawl in in the summertime at the corner of the kitchen window and you don't fucking see them until they're everywhere. And you're like, where did they come from? I don't know, but they're everywhere. They've gotten into the freezer. They're living in the freezer. They're like, fuck you and your sub, you know, zero temperatures. I got this. They're resilient. Those ants don't want to die. 
and they need to be stopped at the source. And the only way to do that is to cover every angle, every inch, and never, never give up on eradicating that. See, that's the fight that I feel like we've been preparing for. It's not a war with nuclear weapons. It's not um, an economy that's tanking. It's none of that. We need to fight for the soul of the world because it's so corrupted. People don't even know who they are. They can't say if they're a man or a woman. If you cannot figure out if you're a man or a woman just based on fucking biology and facts, but you're going with feces, there's a problem with the world. And it's a problem we need to go and just say, fuck this, we're not dealing with this anymore. <laughs> now did I know you were going to pop in right at that point? Hello, winning. The culture war. Hi, everybody. It's like I pressed a special button and boop, there he is. Boop, there he is. Uh, Wolfkinder, I've searched numerous times and can't validate the litter box in school story. <laughs> there are kids online claiming to be animals. I think it's just a need to fit in online. Listen, they don't shit in the litter box. Okay. I've, believe me, I've tried to like get to the bottom of that as well. They're not shitting in a litter box, but they have like, a cat bed they have a like a small box of litter not like a huge litter box like a little one just so that they can have that um experience right of like playing like it's almost like playing with play-doh or sand that's what they're playing with that this is what we've sunk to uh ellie said in all honesty there's a mental health crisis lack of parenting crisis lack of morality crisis yes there's a deviation crisis because they're replacing things with deviant um, meanings, with deviant subjects and everything, and labeling it as normal. They're trying to make everything deviant normal. And we can't allow it. Uh, we used to call those kind of people, yeah, that's what we called them. That's what we called them. Pizza dough. Pizza dough. That's what we call them. Uh, I have a type of pizza dough. I have to type pizza dough because YouTube censors the word <laughs> and thinks it's bigoted. Yeah, I know. And that's all right because most people who use the word bigot don't even fucking know what it means. It kills me. Like, you're such a bigot. You say that like it's a horrible thing. Did you look up the, the definition? Look it up. Just just for shits and giggles. Ellie said, hi, winning reality. Wolf Kinder said, hi, winning reality. Caitlin said, winning. Edith said, woman. <laughs> I hope that was directed at me and not at him because he will be upset. Caitlin, Shelly, I went to the pumpkin patch, had a whole field trip, came back home, and you're still going. Champ, champ, champ. I don't know. Champ, 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 chomp, chomp, chomp. But I wanted to undo the stupid stream I did yesterday. I wasn't happy. I was not happy with what I said. And there was a reason for that. I just couldn't. I needed more time to get those thoughts in line. Lady Awesome, which tip? Sprinkle baby powder across the windowsill to keep ants out. 
the ants won't cross the line of powder. Yeah, we used to do that with chalk. You could do that with a chalk line. It works. Just get the white like um, blackboard chalk. Not the not the kind for the the sidewalk because it's actually a lot like thicker and it won't spread as as well. Get the softer kind of you know chalkboard chalk. Ah, uh, when he said abuse the young and change the culture. Yep, yep. I know this is your whole thing, honey. I know. And you can hear your goddamn influence, damn you. Iris, oh, I bet you heard it in my voice too, girl. <laughs> Always. <laughs> um, Wolfkin just said, ants don't like chalk either. Yep, I've drawn lines and you can put a little Vaseline around the base of pet food dishes to keep them out of the food. Yes. And ants hate mint. Yes, I, you use peppermint oil. We used to grow the the bosnagol. Winnie makes fun of me every time I say it. The bosnagol, it's basil. And we used to grow that in planters outside the kitchen windows, like right underneath them. And we never had ant problems because of that. Like, we didn't have bee problems either because for some reason the bees would be like, no, not going near that window. So we'd be able to like open the window and like hang out and talk to the cats or whatever. And bugs weren't an issue. So, I mean, wherever I go, I'm going to wind up planting mint and bosnagol, which again is basil. And oh my goodness, I've reached the end of the chat. So look at that. Ah, Bafangula Saramakitemor. I don't know who that is, but can't be somebody good. All these New Jersey numbers, like, ugh. oh my God, I love the smell of fresh basil. I know, it's amazing. Uh, the bees like the basils though. Oh no, they didn't like ours. Mm -mm. But I guess it was really um, concentrated because we used to plant a lot in the little planters. Uh, like to the point where I have rubbed it on my wrist. Oh yeah, no. Fresh basil smells amazing. It's just, I don't like it in my food because it's just, it's so overpowering. Uh, Lady Awesome, career mom here. I've always had baby powder around. You be a teacher, you had chalk. <laughs> yep, yep. My grandmother didn't like using baby powder because the cats would sniff around the windows and they'd sniff it in and then that was it. They'd be like all time. <laughs> it's weird. Ah, uh, Grimmy said, have a great day. Thank you so much for, for chiming in, Grimmy. I really appreciated it. I really did. Thanks for hanging out. Caitlin said, it's Chris Christie calling to get your vote. <laughs> yeah, he's. I'll tell you what, you know what my vote is for him? Mm, I, not Weight Watchers. I think he more needs Jenny Craig or Nutrisystem or some shit, but no. And Wolfie said, sounds like Capicola. It's Gabagool, not Capicola, Gabagool. It's provolone, it's mozzarella, it's ricotta, it's scamozzi, it's gabagool, it's mortadelle, it's what else? Um, fucking, mm, it's suppressad. It all of those, all of them, all of them. Capicola, capicola. I like a capicola and suppressada sandwich. Can I have that on long bread? You mean Italian bread? Like. <laughs> Is it French or Italian? It's Italian because an Italian made it, you stupid fuck. Like, <laughs> I just can't. 
Oh, oh God. Jenny Craig gave up and closed. <laughs> they ate her out of business. <laughs> oh, God. Um, Caitlin said, I'll have the gabagool. That's right. Gabagool provolone. Good. You got the gabagool provolone, some nice uh, vinegar, oil and vinegar. Um, a little like romaine lettuce. It'd be, even a little broccoli rob is fine. Not kale. Blech. I don't like kale. Ellie said, damn it, now I'm hungry. You're welcome. Wolf Kinder, I spent my summers in South Philly with my grandmother. <laughs> Pie Dutch woman in an Italian neighborhood. I know, I know. That must have been one hell of an accent. I'm I'm not kidding. Like that must have been one hell of an accent. And the food, holy shit. Anyway, it is almost one o'clock. I have talked for almost five hours, so we're good. I hope everyone has a wonderful day. Thank you for being here. Y'all know how much I appreciate you, how much I love you. I hope that I help you as much as you help me. You mean the world to me. You really do. So signing off. Let's see. What can we... Oh, fuck my life. I deserve good things. I am entitled to my share of happiness. I refuse to beat myself up. I am an attractive person. I am fun to be with. Because I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me. Good God. You know, <laughs> no, I need to laugh. No, I need it. I need it. Here we go. <laughs> I love you, nerd. <laughs> Anyway, thanks for coming by. Thanks for stopping in. I hope you had a laugh. I hope everything goes well. Mimsy, love you too, honey. Jacob, Ellie, Lady Awesome, winning all of you. I love you all. So thank you so much. And I will see you in the funny papers. Bye.